Log Talk Radio.
grandfather and your white great-grandfather sold my great-grandfather and your white grandfather raped my grandmother and your father stole, cheated, lied and robbed my father. What kind of a fool would I have to be to say, come, my friend, to the white daughter and son? Good evening, America. This is your president. Please listen carefully to the announcement I'm about to make. After careful consideration and research, Vice President Duke, Congress, and myself have concluded that black people have not advanced technologically. Their educational testing scores are on a rapid decline. The vast majority of them are on welfare and producing babies at a faster rate than they can support them, and we will not carry them anymore. We are left with no other choice but to put slavery back into effect. All blacks will report to the designated camps in their area to receive further orders. The only blacks excused will be those serving in the United States military and the police. Any blacks who do not cooperate will be terminated immediately. I repeat, slavery is back in effect. We at war! That's what I told you. I know you heard what the president said, and if the nigga don't move, then he's dead. It's time for us to take the stand. Woman to woman and man to man. Blood pressure through your veins, you feel the fear. Who'd have thought that it could happen here? In the land of the free, home of the brave. The year's 95, you're a slave.
have political panelists and analysts for today's program. But first, first hope we do that. I quickly would like to remind a couple um, remind you about a couple of important historical dates that took events that took place on the 16th of July and in 1947, our beloved sister Shakur, who who is the African Revolutionary Freedom Fighter, was born on the day. Happy birthday to our sister Asana. She was born in 1947. Also on the same day, Ida B. Wells was born, and she was born in 1862. And last but not least, we always must remember the terrible acts that the U.S. has the history of participating in as it dropped its first atomic bomb testing by U.S. imperialism sparking the nuclear arms race in 1945. That's right, it was on this day, July the 16th, 1945. The U.S. did its first atomic bomb test. So um, those are just some historical facts, the information that you need to be aware of and know about. So right now, we're going to get started with our party. As I stated earlier, it's introduced to you, our political panelists and analysts. And like always, if you'd like to join us, you're welcome. And you can do that by calling in at 323-679-0841, hit 1, and we will acknowledge your last for a number. So let's get started with our party and continue to travel down the road of liberation by first introducing you to our political panelist, analyst, Father Haku, who is a representative of the African World Association. At this point in time, we're going to bring in Brother Haki and we're going to welcome him to Africa on the Move. Welcome, Brother Haki. Brother Africa, thanks for having me. My name is Haki Kamapi Nshoki. Currently, I'm with African Awareness, of course, Brother Africa. You know, my thing is institution building. But certainly, prior to even in a real discussion around institution building, certain information has to be disclosed. I think it's important that we understand this war that's being conducted or being waged against the African community in North America. And one of the things I find very, very interesting is an old saying which says that people are often afraid of the dark, and that's understandable. But people who are afraid of the light is not understandable. So clearly, when we talk about in terms of this, uh, this prelude to civil war that's taking place in American society, we, 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 we often uh, are uh, inundated with right-wing narratives which say that, in fact, that people don't have a right to think, that people have a right to to essentially discriminate, that people have a right in terms of not having access to information. And, of course, all this leads toward division, anger, and hostility. But it's precisely what those positions of, of power, it's precisely what they want to achieve. And so this certainly seems like they, these, 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 these narratives that are put forth so-called far right are really, in essence, a prelude to civil war in the society. And so for people who seriously doubt the, the, the sincerity in terms of making such a claim, I want you to check this out, Brother Africa. Now, calls for civil war in the U.S. are a popular reframe among right, the, the far right, both the rank and file and the political class. Far right partisans hold varying justifications for civil war, but the common theme is the inevitability of civil war as a solution to economic woes. Bill Reynolds, a GPO Central Committee of California, in response to January 6th to overthrow a federal election, lamented, quote, the war is just begun, end quote. Marjorie Taylor Greene, Republican out of Georgia, advocates a civil war 2.0, where the pious red states separate from the blue states and their trade traitorous ways of inclusive laws and of policies that privilege non-whites. Call the national defense 
Taylor believes Southern states could prevail in potential war with the progressive or blue states. Her belief the country has already stiffened the Civil War is a theme Ron DeSatan, governor of Florida, embraces wholeheartedly. Ostensibly a bona fide fascist, DeSantis vehemently supports returning Confederate names to military installations and other facilities solely to facilitate or legitimize the spread of far-right platitudes exposing the need of real Americans to take back their country by any means necessary. Now, this spread of normalizing Civil War discourse is done not only to popularize the idea of using mass violence to achieve a political objective, but follows a logic ordained by the ruling class who understands in order for them to achieve their objectives and maintaining economic control of society, political institutions must be sacrificed to obtain their self-interest. This propensity has been demonstrated throughout history, in particular pertinent in U.S. history. History recalls in 1860, Abraham Lincoln competed in a four-way election in which he prevailed in winning the presidency of the United States. Anger at Lincoln winning the plurality of the votes. Wealthy individuals railed against the political results, all the while convincing poor whites the election of Lincoln would undermine the interests of all white men. Indeed, refuting the election of Lincoln had nothing to do with the empowerment of poor white people, but everything to do with the strategy to forming chaos in the South, making government administrative duties difficult to implement, thus ensuring the elimination of slavery would not be achieved. Now, this strategy was ultimately successful. By 1877, President Luther B. Hayes, himself a violent racist, removed federal troops protecting newly freed Africans. Like Lincoln's presidential election in 2020, a similar event occurred when Joe Biden's election was contested by right-wing pundits who were all too happy to embrace Trump's lies. Embrace of Trump lies were not because right-wing officials were deceived. The embrace of Trump lies served as a perfect catalyst to move the country further to the right and benefit to capitalists. Elites could now use allegations of a stolen election to demonize government while rolling back democratic policy that distribute wealth to the poor and other ethnic groups. Once again, in this context, African people by and large became the focus of all that is wrong with American political direction. Political messaging crafted by the corporate minions, in this case we're talking about politicians, cleverly concealed the innate inequality of capitalism, the systematic unemployment of capitalism, and accessibility to affordable housing. Blaming these social economic ills on democratic administrations, right-wing politicians were able to paint the federal government as a threat to democracy while simultaneously assigning the label of woke on all supporters of democratic policies or politics. Now, in view of contemporary events, woke is used as a concept to condition people not to seek truth or enlightenment. Woke is uniquely suited to maximize ignorance and embrace propaganda by the right wing that makes characterizing others, be it Africans, Jews, Muslims, or gays, as an, as, as an, as an enemy are relatively easy. It should be noted, such abstractions for the far right is indispensable. In lieu of economic decline resulting from far-right political policies, hiding this reality will ensure continuation of far-right dominance as the country moves further right, increasing the odds of civil war. The unmistakable decline of capitalism and decline in U.S. hegemony will only exacerbate the U.S. economy, increasing the level of hopelessness and despair in the U.S. In addition, de-dollarization, a fact of life, has witnessed central banks reduce its its holdings in dollars by 70% since 1999, according to the IMF. Now, this reduction in the circulation of dollars in the global economy has resulted in difficult for the U.S. government to pay its bills, resulting in $33 trillion in U.S. debt. The declining value of dollar has also complicated the U.S. economy 
To the point, interest on the debt alone stands at $2 trillion per day and climbing, $2 trillion a day and climbing. This economic decline is directly attributable to right-wing political policy of transferring a wealth to economic elites who refuse to invest in the real economy. Now, economic malaise is compounded by, 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 by debt to GDP ratio of 134%, meaning the U.S. ability to pay its debts are strained. Debit to GDP ratio between 60 to 7 percent is considered a sound economy. And as the statistics reveal, the U.S. is well above that average. Now, this economic decline directly impacts the wealth of U.S. citizens. Currently, per capita income of those making between $30,000 and $65,000 per year, or 52% of the U.S. population, has been declining despite improvements in U.S. GDP numbers. Now, against this backdrop, at least are quite aware establishing Social conditions directing anger away from the elites is priority number one. We directing anger is <clears throat> implemented in a myriad of ways, but the management of anger, white anger specifically, serves elites' long-term interests, reflecting the degree to which strategy is being employed. Recently, the Pentagon implemented a project to eliminate white supremacy from the U.S. military. The project, Canon Extremism Working Group, was systematically destroyed by right-wing politicians and media outlets working in unison to paint the project as woke, weakening the U.S. military while depriving servicemen of their constitutional rights. While the onset of such laudable goals, <coughs> why, why, the, why the onset of such laudable goals? Two probable reasons. One, U.S. military occupation of countries inhabited by people of color may be better served to carry out killing of the inhabitants by individuals who have a disposition to hate non-whites. Secondly, and closer to home, the military skills ex-soldiers return to home could bring to their community could be used to train military, uh, militia groups throughout the Americas. <clears throat> if the long-term strategy is to provoke civil war in the U.S., military skills used to carry out assassinating Americans' enemies would be invaluable. If this sounds like hyperbole, listen to this. I am reminded Geronimo Gijiga Pratt, the former revolutionary who died in, in, in Tanzania, he, this revolution was targeted by the FBI specifically because he was an Army veteran. The fear was he would use those skills to train black revolutionary groups. Fear was so palpable, the government charged Pratt with a crime committed 2,000 miles away. So while Geronimo was in California, this alleged crime happened on the East Coast. Now, I realize for some, this is an improbable scenario too far. However, when confronted with brazen statements, petitions encouraging civil war, then characterizing others as malcontents, or American's enemies, we cannot dismiss the elephant in the room. <clears throat> Rhetoric to justify mass violence by nature must have an intended target in mind. Given the U.S. history, no one should be surprised when the right-wing elites employ strategy and benefit to themselves. Africans always pay the price. Civil war seems the stated aim and objective of, of, of a populism narrative, a right-wing style, and, uh, <clears throat> and certainly is the engine that will get them there. So we get a sense to be concerned about the kind of statements, the kind of narratives of constantly being painted in society and fully understanding the repercussions of all that's happening in society and which suggests that, you know, this question in terms of being pragmatic may not be a possibility for African people. We have to understand fully the, uh, the ramifications of what's going on in society, how potentially it's going to impact us, and what is our response is going to be. And with that, Brother Africa, I'll close. Thank you, Brother Haki. Next, we make our transition. We're glad to have our brother, Brother Anthony William, a member of the AAPIPGC. We would like to welcome him to 
Africa on the move. Welcome, Brother Anthony. I have me, Brother Africa. Revolutionary greetings to you, the fellow panelists, and the listening audience. My name is Anthony Williams. I'm an organizer for the All African People's Revolutionary Party, GC. Objective is Pan-Africanism, the total liberation and unification of Africa under scientific socialism. Thank you, Brother Anthony. Father and Brother Anthony, we now bring in our brother Moses, who also is a member of the D.C. Metro Coalition in support of the Cuban Revolution. We'd like to welcome Brother Moses to Africa on the Move. Welcome, Brother Moses. Thank you, Brother Africa. Thank you, Brother Africa. And greetings to everyone within the sound of my voice, especially the illustrious panelists. It's good to see we have a full house, more or less, um, Brother Haki and Brother Anthony together again. And thank you. Uh, um, my name is Robert Andrew Moses. I've been in the struggle for scientific socialism from the moment I was introduced to Marxism during the government class back in my high school years, 1968. I call Marxism the race to cure racism. I bear witness that there is one God, Jesus, who is the author and finisher of my faith, and that Mao Zedong is his messenger for government. Fathers, help your children. We don't reverse correct verdicts. I'm pro-choice, and I vote. I bear witness that women hold up half the sky. Therefore, I'm for the Equal Rights Amendment. The struggle continues to be to unite the many and defeat the few. And the struggle is concrete and, and objective. And we must align our subjective factor with the objective situation that we are faced with and come to the proper conclusion about what needs to be done. And in the U.S. of A., we see that revolution is the only solution. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Moses, and welcome back again. And at this point in time, we make our transition to our sister, who is also a member of the D.C. Venture Coalition in support of the Cuban Revolution. We'd like to welcome our sister, Eleanor. Welcome to Africa on the Move, Sister Eleanor. Yeah, Sister Eleanor. Uh, while we wait for Sister Eleanor, hopefully uh, we can get this technical issue straight with her. We can go to our next. Good evening, Brother Africa. Yes, Sister, we here. Good here. evening. Mike is here. Yeah. Yes, good evening, Brother Africa and fellow panelists, um, and to our listening audience here and abroad. My name is Eleanor Johnson, and I am an environmentalist, human rights advocate, and artist. I appreciate you having me on this evening's forum, and I look forward to an exciting show this evening. And we must all remember to be active in our love of Mother Earth and uh, make sure that we're doing taking steps to be conservationists in every walk of our lives. Thank you. Thank you, Sister Eleanor. Father, Sister Eleanor, we now bring in our own brother, Sabukwe. He's a member of PRSP, and we'd like to welcome him to Africa on the Move. Welcome, Brother Sabukwe. Pan African greetings, Brother Africa. Thank you so much again for having me here tonight. 
yes, my name is Brother Shabukwe, as I've uh, formerly uh, been, been called and named by Brother Africa and, and fellow panelists on the, on the panel, on the show. But, yeah, my, you know, my name is Brother Maurice. I am a supporter of the AAPRPGC, All Africans People Revolutionary Party GC. I am a member of PRSP, Pan-African Revolutionary Socialist Party. I'm a, 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 a worker overall for the people and also a member of Slain Struggling, Living and Never Giving Up. Thank you so much for having me here tonight. Thank you for being here, Brother Sabukwe. As you are listening to Africa on the Moon, one thing we'd like to mind our listening audience that we are asking for your support to make sure that when you do hear this program and you get access to our links, please share it with your networks and try to increase our listenership. And we can only do this by your support, as well as we are asking for your financial contribution because there are things that we want to do and we cannot do it if we can't finance ourselves. We need your support. So if you'd like to make a donation to Africa on the Moon, you can do that by several ways. One, you can cash out us at dollar sign, capital L, small e, small e, small c, small r, small o, small b. Or you can sell us at African Awareness Association 2 at gmail dot one. Again, African Awareness Association 2 at gmail that one. We, we would appreciate all financial support. And last but not least, just remember and spread the word that you can hear Africa on the Moon every Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Yes. We thank you for all that you do, and let's continue to work towards liberating our people in our home Africa. So on that note, what we're going to do right now, we're going to a quick station break. And when we come back, we'd like to have you to join our political panelists as we discuss what's going on in your world and the community. So we want to hear, we need to hear from our brothers and sisters in Cuba, in Brazil, in Colombia, in Venezuela, in Zimbabwe, in Ghana, in Kenya, in France, I mean, you name it, in Jamaica, in Haiti, you name it. We need to hear from y'all. Because remember, well, information you cannot think. And we say, well, organization you cannot think clearly. So we want to encourage y'all to please Help us uh, get the information out to our people, but more importantly, we want to encourage you, elevate you to start becoming more active by joining an organization that is fighting for the liberation of your people and the liberation of Mother Africa. So on that note, we're going to take this station break, and to the youth today and to the students today, we don't want you to make the earl or let the capitalism make you become irresponsible and become self-evident their plan. Don't you fall for it. So we won't play this song. To our youth and to our students today, not to become self-destructive. We all agree tonight. All of the speakers have agreed that America has a very serious problem. Not only does America have a very serious problem, but our people have a very serious problem. America's problem. It's one or two suckers, ignorant. 
different brothers trying to rob and steal from one another. You get caught in the mid. So to crush that stereotype, here's what we did. We got ourselves together so that you could unite and fight for what's right. Not negative cause. The way we live is positive. We don't kill our relatives. Pop, 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 when it's shot, who's the blame? Headlines, front page, and rap, the name. MC to light here to state the bottom line. The black on black crime was way before time. Took a brother's life with a knife at his right. Cried cause he died of trifling death when he left his very last breath. Was I slept to watch his step? Back in the 60s, our brothers and sisters were hanged. How could you gang bang? I never ever ran from the Ku Klux Klan and I shouldn't have to run from a black man. Cause that. Fighting, busting, heaven 
Bitch at the door so there'll be no bum rushing Let's get together because we're falling apart I heard a brother shot another, it broke my heart I don't understand the difficulty, people Love your brother, treat him as an equal They call us animals, Mm-mm, I don't agree with them I'll prove them wrong, but right is what you're proving them Take keys before I leave for what I'm saying Or we'll all be on our knees praying heavy deep, deep in the heart of the matter The self-destruction is served on a platter Making a day, not failing to anticipate They got greedy so they fell for the bait That makes them a victim, picked and plucked New jack and jails, which is the best they ever duck There's no one around cause in jail you're a number they never took the time to wonder about Yes, we urge to merge, we live for the love of our people to hope they get along. Getting a point to our brothers and sisters who don't know the time. So we run around. Set in your head, you know our job to build and collect ourselves with intellect. To revolve, to evolve the self-respect. Cause we got to keep ourselves in check or else it's... Black man, go on and get a catch scan. I had same rap too straight, too tight. We get a backhand, there ain't no Batman in this black land. I wish a rich nigga would come and save the day and pave the way. Ain't no amazing grace. I blaze the haze to remain the faith. Twenty years with my medicine, but they wanna throw me away for that. Then turn around and legalize it. I wish being black was truly accepted. Four hundred year elephant in the room. This ain't a new deal. They've been treating us like animals. We in a zoo still. So let me tell you how I feel. Guilty. Conscious trumps common sense every day, y'all. Ignore the issues, look at the victim like it's they fault. As if a wagon ain't harassing, waiting for jaywalkers in front of the building, minding your business. You was trying to pay your bills as if that wasn't to mention. Conjunction, junction, tell me what's your intention. Don't call them kings and treat them like some common folk. You a fighter like Ronda Rose. Rousey move around the road. Drowsy with a cloud of smoke. How'd he do for Maui, bro? Traveling around the globe, you didn't know, but now you know. Early morning risings, my end of alarm kicking. Birdman hand rubs, feeling my palms itching. I need a spiritual thought with top that's top notch. We watch black power docs and study our chakras. Ooh, child, don't you ever come, come down. You acting like the sun ain't out. And we gon' cop a ticket and fly on out of here, fly on out. Ooh, child, don't you ever come, come down. Oh dear black man, tell me what happened. You can't be low when your glow's everlasting. Then when your ass been on aspen like I has been raising the trap when the god talk math and moves with a max ten. Not that nigga back then, but look now, nigga, I'm established. Cut camera action. I cut lines with my sad card. My bitch is packing, then I'm cutting in line with a bad boy. They caught him flagging, then huddle around him with a stack. Chart look, you say I wake up feeling better than I ever been. Check out my melanin, it's now the makeup for the mannequin that wants to be the 
Same as a slave on a sedative You kill culture, I give knowledge, I spit stylish Crane kicks and Balenciagas and speaking science And bodegas that grow flavors was taught language Was taught to talk with the razor from having Spanish neighbors I fought the haters, caught cases and lost paper Educated killers walking no ladies cross the street Turn back around, walk across and sell hard to a fee No turning back now, rent you and your kids gotta eat yeah. Black man rooted deep with the blood of a king yeah. Black man roses arose from the cold concrete I eat, walk, talk, gritty Snitches get buck fifty one slice buck fifty, both get cut quickly until they free Goldie. Nobody can fuck talk with about me. Oh, child, don't you ever come come down? You acting like the sun ain't out. No, we gon' cop a ticket and fly on out of here, fly on out. Oh, child, don't you ever come come down? You acting like the sun ain't out. Black became beautiful, then made America great again. See the page of history or see the grave and hate again. I'm from New York, the last state to free the slaves, and now we getting to the point where they rebooting Martin Payne and them. Black man, switch it up, just to be versatile. Why you always mean mugging? Man, it never hurts to smile. Make a record, break a record, get the record straight. I'm just trying to get it going, I'm trying to accelerate. Life alert. Welcome to my world, live and living color, say low word to J-Lo out here with my fly girl, black man, black man, they give you whack answers, they robbing you with Batman, they give you Black Panther, when all our people dying, they think that we need a movie, but the box office don't break off the descendants of Huey, think about it, I'm cooler than a Coca-Cola polar bear, hold up, roll up something potent right before we go in there, maroon custom support that shit that touches the streets, puffing a leaf on a corner that gave me nothing but grief, don't come around my way if your whole message is how much you got, if you ain't got no fucking shots, then don't touch the fucking rock, Lucy still 50 cent, cool what kind of blunts you got, you can lock a few niggas for hustling, but nothing stops The judge just makes the hero And a young black boy lose their fucking pops And go on a robbing spree like fuck the ops Phone out of battery, black mirror, word the Windex King of the table of contents, human index I handle everything myself, the one man quintet Let's take it where it hasn't been yet Dear black man Worth life One take Fuck you Welcome back to Africa on the Moon. And at this point in time, we're going to make our transition to what's going on in your world and the community. And like always, if you're listening to this program, we welcome you to call in by dialing 1-323-679-0841 and share with us what's going on in your world and the community. You're an international community, you're a Pan-African community, but Africa is their home. So we need to know what's going on with our family throughout the world. So you're welcome to join us. So at this point in time, we can bring in Brother Hakeem, and Brother Hakeem, we ask all our panelists and analysts to just give us a summation of this past week. But what went on in that world, the community, we actually take three to four minutes, and we will greatly appreciate that you'll be disciplined within that time frame period. 
So, Brother Hakeem, we now will turn the mic over to you. What's going on in your world and the community? Yeah, I'm going to try to keep this under three to four minutes, uh, but I think it's important that I point out uh, issues that I think are very pertinent, extremely important in terms of our understanding in terms of the society. You know, one of the things I find very, very interesting is that this question in terms of, you know, when we talk about the problems of, you know, that impact society, and often when we have these discussions, the elephant in the room is never really addressed. In other words, the 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 the, the L's, uh, that are facilitated by capitalism are never addressed. People tend to blame everything under the sun other than capitalism. And for me, I find that pretty pretty funny because the bottom line is that until you get at the root of the problem, then the reality is that nothing can ever change. But having said that, Brother Africa, let me rush through this real quickly because I think it's important that people people uh you know start thinking about some of the things issues that's so pertinent to our existence in the society. Anyway. Now blaming the side, now blaming the blaming the symptom, never the disease appears endemic in U.S. society. Recently in Florida, on January, a January 6th insurrection case concluded in which Audrey Rumsey, a music teacher in high school, was convicted for various assaults and destruction of property. During a 15-minute statement to the judge, she conveyed the challenge little people face in U.S. society and the indifference of the powerful to the poor state. Deviating, deviating from a political proclamation and telling the justice inflicted with class around class. She insisted her deal was spearheaded by Antifa, who snapped her picture on January 6th. Next, taking aim at the prosecutors, she proceeded to castigate them for being unscrupulous, implying malice. Saving her harshest critique for last, she screamed at media representatives for being consummate lies, directly responsible for the decline of the U.S. For the, US. the common thread in Ms. Rumsey's statement is the, is the supposition all the players she noted are acting unilaterally, that their actions are not guided by a system and they are free to embrace positions that empower little people at the expense of a political system that defines the parameters of personal obligation. Ms. Rumsey, like so many others, continues to dismiss the philosophical core of U.S. society that sees the preservation of elite power as sacrosanct. This is particularly the case with capitalist societies that regulate who has access to powerful institutions with the expectation of upholding the capitalist system is more important than democracy. Uh, upholding capital system is more important than equality. In short, maintaining social, political structures and benefits to powerful elites. Numerous paradigms attest to this disconnect between what the masses prefer and political outcomes that summarily dismisses the demands of the citizens, even when dismissing their demands, forming discontent, ultimately leading to protests and challenges to the capitalist system border on rises. In the case of Florida, the so-called market is taking precedent over consumer rights. Enshrined in state laws protected by a federal trade commission, consumer rights enshrined in state laws protected by a federal trade commission are entrusted to protect consumers from hazardous products or misleading information. In theory, this sounds good, but when compared to business absolute right to profit, consumer protection from unfair practices falls woefully short. Farmers Insurance Group in Florida divulged it would no longer write policies or renew policies for over 100,000 people. Despite the good standing of its policyholders, Farmers Inc. Plan to leave Florida, taking with it policy money's hold policyholders' money. This move is problematic for two reasons. One, Farmers Inc. received three billion dollars from the people and subsidies to finance insurance policy that will protect against payouts by Farmers Inc. against natural disasters like hurricanes, flooding, etc. Secondly, Farmers Inc. legally does not have to provide information about its plan to leave or end policies because under Florida law, any obtained any, any information obtained from, from Farmers Inc is considered privileged and as such cannot be made public. Ironically, under trade secrets, 
Farmers Inc. is obligated to inform the state 90 days only its plans before executing any financial plans. But any correspondent to former policyholders are not legally obligated to reveal why the home or auto policy was terminated. Many may conclude implicit, implicit in, this corruption, in this, this arrangement, corruption may play a part in Farmers Inc.'s decision. And this, that is definitely true. According to Florida Watch, Governor DeSatan collected $4 million in donations from insurance policies, while state legislators received close to $10 million donations from insurance lobbying. It was also disclosed that agency held responsible for overseeing the insurance industry collected $2.2 million from insurance agencies. Jimmy Patronis, Florida Chief Financial Officer who oversees insurance agencies, threatened to take action to prevent Florida's exit from, exit from Florida, but he also intimated previously similar gestures when 10 other insurance agencies left Florida. Corruption aside, systems of power that undergirds or codify corruption ensures its continuation. Unguided power among powerful elites has, has devastating impacts. Hiding behind a system that ensures proliferation of inequality, the destructive impact of policies and laws that favors wealth must be brought to light. Highlighting the indiscretions of the corrupt individuals may be newsworthy, but it does not, nothing to stop the coercive effect of unbridled capitalism. Now, failure to identify the source of humanity's challenges relegates us all in harm's way, with abilities or consequences to navigate. There is no doubt Farmers Inc. plan to flee Florida as a result of environmental challenges caused by global temperature change. By focusing too strongly on machinations of ill-enlightened individuals, we run the risk of allowing capitalism off the hook. Currently, the Florida ocean level rise is threatening. Florida shorelines threatening homes and, and livelihoods. The anti-science mindsets of many politicians dismiss the threat of global warming as fear-mongering. This sub, same subset of demographics are the same group that advocate endless economic growth. Another way to say this is, is profits for the capitalists. Pursuit of profit at all costs re rejects any proposition that indicates economic growth lasted the heart of global warming. Rather than reduce carbon or methane emissions or invest in green energies globally to avert climate disaster, the system of capitalism is quite content to proceed as though the threat facing humanity is a useful strategy killing off large numbers in the global south. What the capitalists fail to grasp is the unforeseen impact of global warming is not always predictable. With the depletion of ice shelves, not only do ocean levels rise, but the introduction of viruses long dormant resurfaces to impact the entire planet. In conclusion, any analysis that excludes capitalism excesses would never adequately deconstruct the real dangers that, that confront humanity. Like Ms. Rumsey, if we, assign, if, we, if we assign fault to a few bad players, our ability to arrest the main threats facing humanity becomes impossible to achieve. With that, Brother Africa, I conclude. Thank you, Brother Haki. We'll make our transition to Brother Anthony. Brother Anthony, what's going on in your world and the community? Uh, a few, uh, several things. Uh, to start with, uh, based upon an analysis of the of the the discussion y'all had last week, and my own observations, the class struggle inside the African communities of the world is intensifying. And this is shown by uh, by the fact that, uh, uh, let's see, a lot of Africans are not content with just having uh, African faces in high places, as been the case historically. 
And, um, you know, the class struggle is intensifying. And actually, this is a, in, in a way, this is a positive development, but it means that, we, uh, that we're looking inward more at the enemy within ourselves in terms of uh, dealing with our problems. And that is the primary way in which imperialism manifests itself in the African community these days through neocolonialism, which uh, means in essence that the primary enemy looks like you and me. And it's a much harder struggle to wage because of that. Also, uh, let's see. It seems like the the Zionists are uh, are, are are continuing uh, the offensive against the Palestinians, as uh, shown by this uh, this attack on uh, Janine. And um, you know, and uh, but but uh, what uh, Zionists do not seem to understand is. No matter how many, how relentless their attacks are, they will not stop the Palestinian resistance. They will fight until they're free, as we should fight until we're free. Fight better organized. Thank you, Brother Anthony. And from Brother Anthony, we're going to make a transition to Brother Moses. Brother Moses, what's going on in your world and the community? Well, let me start off by saying uh, Brother Anthony is correct. The Palestinian people will never cease struggling until their land is free. And um, the people of the world, the justice-loving, freedom-loving people of the world will continue to support and uh, struggle along with the Palestinian people for the freedom of their land. Uh, the U.S. Israeli war machine will be halted at some point. Meanwhile, um, we, we are, we have uh, strikes, UPS strikes, Writers Guild, the start, the Screen Actors Guild, uh, um, their strikes and the, the struggle on a class struggle basis is intensifying, and um, and it's the role of the working class to clear away the oppressive conditions we face and clear away racism, sexism, and Zionism. And this is a, a historical task of the working class, and. Um, we struggle to get organized, to get to get, to get in a party of, that's devoted to the working class struggle and 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 freedom for the masses of people. I uh, this is the big key things that are going on in my world right now. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Moses. And from Brother Moses, we we will now move to Sister Eleanor. Sister Eleanor. What's going on in your world and the community? 
Well, um, I'm in solidarity with the Palestinian people, and also class struggle is emerging around the world. We see that um, uh, last year alone, 3,789 deaths of refugees crossing the sea or the Sahara were recorded by the International Organization for Migrants. And uh, just recently, 78 refugees met a watery death off the coast of Greece. In addition, we see that uh, Clarence Thomas, uh, there have been several articles about Clarence Thomas and uh, other Supreme Court justices concerning their personal affairs. And Clarence Thomas is engaged with a guy named Crow, whom uh, supports authoritarianism. He's a huge supporter and admirer of people like Hitler, Mussolini, Franco. And and Clarence sits around the garden having a cigar with these statues in the in the garden. So we see that the Supreme Court, and the most sufficient, important thing about the articles this week were the number of people with special interests. So their court, their cases may not, they have not, may have not been the subject of the case before the Supreme Court, but their interests were definitely at stake. So whether they file amicus brief or not, they seem to have the justices in their pocket. So we see, uh, not a democratic court, but we see a special interest court. In addition, um, we see that the mayor of the uh, of the District of Columbia has um, and the city council have endorsed the uh, lifting of the embargo against the Cuban people and the nation of Cuba. So we, I stand in solidarity with that decision. And more than um, the world has a new world record of 110 million people are displaced worldwide as the uh, EU uh, supports authoritarianism and builds a fortress around itself to stop the immigration of uh, people who are forced to leave their homes, often due to global warming, um, as well as a lack of economic development. And we've seen Prime Minister Mark Rutte uh, lay out of uh, their support for uh, uh, special deals. We see uh, the Commissioner, President Ursula, Ron Dierlin, the Italian Prime Minister, uh, and others that are supporting uh, limiting uh, immigration to their countries, as well as other conservative anti-worker uh, moves. So uh, again, as Brother Moses said, the demonstrations of the Writers Guild is really a demonstration against artificial intelligence where we could begin to view shows where uh, no people, no images are real, and none of the content is real. It's all computer-generated. 
So um, with that, I'd like to say thank you and good evening. Thank you, Sister Eleanor. And from Sister Eleanor, we will now go to our brother Subukwe. Brother Subukwe, what's going on in your world and the community? Yes, Brother Africa, it's a lot going on as 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 uh, panelists have have expressed on this on this panel. Um, but it's a lot going on. But I want to focus in, in particular on the continent of Africa, specifically in Tunisia. In Tunisia, we have 1,000 Africans plus at this point dying at sea, as we already know, uh, on the northern tip of Africa, um, thousands and thousands of Africans are, are dying at sea, trying to trying to get from the hell that they're catching from neocolonialism and, in some instances, colonialism. When we look at Tunisia, Brother Africa, we have um, a president who is saying that Africans are attempting to colonize Tunisia so it can make it black again. I'm going to repeat it again. You heard me correctly. President Kais Saeed stated, President Kais Saeed stated that Africans on the continent are trying to colonize Tunisia to make it black again. He is advocating violence on every uh, African in Tunisia. Africans are being stabbed. For example, uh, 29-year-old brother Michael Bio is a, a graduate student uh, from the Ivory Coast. He is studying in Tunisia. He stated that if you were black and in the streets, you were going to get arrested or you were going to get hurt, he said, following a rash of attacks. Um, universities range online classes so students could, could shelter and pl- uh, be sheltered in place to learn. Uh, Bio said he took took in three other students who had been kicked out of their homes. So the president, along with the European leaders, don't leave them out. <laughs> the European leaders who are basically offering one billion dollars in aid, quote unquote, to their uh, state, their military apparatus, to the to the patrols, as and hence how they are. Uh, 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 projecting this to the people, like we want to have patrol bases set up to protect Africans from being being attacked. But anyhow, they're going to invest, as they stated, $162 million up front um, coming out of that $1 billion total to their patrols and military in Tunisia. Um, evictions, um, terminations from jobs, arrests, brutal assaults um, are, are happening daily in Tunisia on Africans because the president and other uh, colonialists and neocolonialists are trying to force our brothers and sisters from what, what is rightfully theirs. And this is going in the Arabs. And I just want to conclude by saying that before the European came and colonized Africa, that, that, that Arabian um, colonists had came in there and attempted to uh, colonize um, northern, the northern apparatus of of Africa, you know, uh, what we have above the Sahel, um, Algeria, Morocco, Tunisia, Libya, Egypt, and so forth and so forth. This is what's going on. More than ever, we have to 
organize and political ed- educate ourselves, uh, we're going to continue to perish, like we're saying in the case of Tunisia. Thank you, Brother Maurice. We'd like to thank all my panelists and analysts for their perspectives on what was going on in that world and their community for this past week. Uh, one of the things I'd like to say to you, Brother Sabupe, and I'm listening to the audience, you know, Africa is under attack, and one of the things the West has always wanted to do is make sure Africa never unifies itself. And one of the things it does is create confusion. So I'm standing in this that when we look real closely at our brothers and sisters, who we call Arab, you know, we are from the same family, and we don't want to define ourselves we are African versus Arab. But that's something you got to look real closely at and real careful with that division, because it's only concerned to um, hurt both of us in terms of um, stopping us from getting our freedom and liberation. Second thing I'd like to raise with this panelist and the listening audience is just a few minutes. I'm just really curious in terms of your take on this um, issue of this strike with these writers and these uh, actresses, actors in Hollywood, because the contradiction is very glaring. When you look at their behavior and their criticism of wanting equal pay, fair pay, and just pay. On one hand, at the same time, when you look at your everyday workers, the brothers and sisters who are only working, maybe making $7.25 an hour, or you look at other workers who are being exploited, mistreated, not getting fair or equal pay, when they go on strikes or when they holler for um, a more just wage, I never see that particular, particular sector come to their their rescue when it comes to their support. So, you know, one may argue with school for the boost, school for the game. How do y'all make out just this, this question of um, these folks in the Hollywood industry and these writers who, on average, many people, working class people, consider them getting paid 10 times more than what they will ever see in their lifetime? At the same time, how do you deal with the large segments of people in society? who has no job at all. So I'm just curious in terms of your response in terms of um, they hollering for equal pay, equal justice, hollering about their exploitation, but they fail to see the exploitation that is taking place throughout the this, throughout this society. Brother Haki, um, your, your response. Yeah, <laughs> well, I think individualism is American way. Uh, certainly, uh, when you talk about uh, you know the entertainers, you know, and their their, their army publicists uh, or publicists, uh, they're in a position to get their message out in terms of the kind of exhortation that exists with respect to pay, you know, in Hollywood. But when you talk about in terms of you know or making a connection between the exhortation that's happening in Hollywood with the exhortation that's happening generally in the workplace, uh, the bottom line is that that connection is never made because people in Hollywood are not necessarily concerned about the masses of people in terms of the kind of, in terms of the kind of injustice that they, they have to uh, contend with on a daily basis. It's not to say that they don't understand the fundamental injustice that is affecting working people in society, but it's certainly not in their interest to even deal with a lot of those issues because certainly if they raise the, the, the hour a lot of those issues, 
and the probability of them losing access to making all that money becomes more and more real. So that in itself serves as a, as a disincentive to speak out in terms of more general kind of uh, injustices pervading society. But one of the things that I think is interesting that when we talk about in terms of this question of markets, uh, one of the things we talk about, for instance, we talk about the, the CEO of Disney. Uh, this guy makes over $27 million a year. He does nothing. Uh, so clearly when you talk about in terms of what actors bring to the table in terms of, you know, of viewership, uh, they're, they're, they're responsible for, you know, hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars, you know, uh, you know on a yearly basis that's coming to those studios. And to say that they shouldn't be being compensated, you know, for the ability to bring people to the, to, to the big screen or to watch those programs, uh, I think it's a disservice to, to just in terms of general the, uh, 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 theme of you know, fairness. So certainly I understand in terms of, uh, you know, why the actors are doing what they're doing, and certainly I hope they are succeed. But also at the same token, I'm certainly hoping that the mass of people begin to understand, uh, at least to find a value in their lives and understanding that at some point you have to stand up and fight. It's never easy to stand up and fight. But you do have brothers and sisters at, at uh, Amazon and other kind of places who are grassroots people who are standing up fighting against the powers that be. So if, so if these actors can serve as, serve as an example, a role model, in terms of possibilities, then certainly I would hope that the mass of the people see those people in Hollywood standing up fighting the powers that be and understanding that they, too, have the power to stand up and fight against the powers that be. And having said it, Brother Africa, I'll simply conclude with that. Thank you, Brother Hackey. Brother Anthony, your critique on this, this call for equal pay is called for alleviating the exploitation of one's labor and one's value and one's work, while at the same time you are victimizing other folks that you don't see on a daily basis. For example, when you look at this Hollywood industry, Brother Anthony, they create a concept in what they call categories of actors, A actors, B actors, and C actors. And based upon your category, dictate the amount of money for the amount of money in terms of a range from which you are qualified to be paid. If you're A actors, you get millions of dollars. Your B actors, you may get hundreds of thousands of dollars, and C actors, you get very little. And we also know when you look at how you define who, in the, who falls in the category of A, B, and C, the African actors still have a tendency to not to get their fair treatment and be properly uh, categorized in the categories that will allow them the equal pay or the white counterpart. So how do you just uh, critique this um, this phenomenon that's going on there in terms of this, this strike between the writers and the actors when looking at the same contradiction that's going on throughout society and you never see them come to the forefront of other individuals, even when they're all right, when this kind of behavior takes place? Just show a general take on this, Brother Anthony. Yes, uh, it's an intensification of the class struggle, even among workers who uh, who who theoretically belong to the same economic class, but uh, as Haki pointed out earlier, uh, it's individualism that comes into play here. And that uh, workers do not see themselves as one unit or as one group. 
and um, you know their uh, their uh, different degrees of oppression or exploitation, depending upon uh, what strata of worker you belong to, and uh, and um, this uh, uh, you, you know uh, I mean equal pay for equal work is something that labor has demanded uh, for a couple of hundred years. And, um, you know, it's a just demand. But I think uh, because of the uh, social contradictions among the sector of workers, it prevents them from unifying with the working class as a whole. In order to uh, in order uh, to to solve all of their problems, and um, this is spreading because uh, uh, let's see the drivers that work for UPS that are getting ready to launch a strike soon. So it seems like uh, as uh, as um, uh, as uh, the economics get tougher, uh, it seems like more and more workers are asserting their rights for uh, for a fair price for their labor and for better working conditions also. But uh, let's see, it's going to be limited until uh, workers realize that all workers, regardless of what pay scale they're at, are in the same boat, essentially. Thank you, Brother Anthony. Brother Moses, do the, do the actors and the writers have, have a legitimate right, Brother Moses? Yeah, I'm... <clears throat> I'm 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 learning more and more about the uh, salary structure in in the industry. Uh, I know in China they have they have um, graded graded um, graduated a graded structure in terms of salaries and stuff. Everybody doesn't get the same salary. Uh, uh, the, the the there's uh, levels of pay. Uh, I don't know. I know that historically, uh, the contradictions in capitalist society is such that capitalism is digging its own grave, and the end that the bourgeoisie, the, the owners, have to socialize their industry in order to make profits. They have to keep keep socializing, adding on workers, and, uh, and having a socialized production process. And this is the this is the contradiction. They they need all these workers working together to produce the product, but when it comes to the fruits of the labor, only the owners uh, extract the the fruit the the vast majority of the profits. So this is the contradiction. Uh, as as we continue to get more conscious of what we are faced with, and the workers get to the point where they not only want higher wages for the wage slaves, but they want into the wage slave system itself. You know, we want an economy that's based upon 
socialized production and socialized appropriation and that and that uh empowers the workers um this is the goal uh, to have equal pay for equal work ultimately and uh and you know we we're, we're learning this we every day we're learning we're learning uh what our mistakes are in terms of disunity and we we have to unite, don't split, and be open and above board, not intriguing and conspi- conspiring. But, um, you know, we're learning, the working class is learning this lessons, just like we learned the historical lessons of Crucius phony communism. And um, once we learn, we don't forget. And so let's, let's continue to educate, continue to organize, each one teach one. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Moses. Sister Eleanor, talk to me. <clears throat> yes, and your question is about the strike in Hollywood. Well, the workers are striking yes. there, the writers, and are in particular writing, and the actors have one thing in common. They're striking against uh, two things. One is streaming. Streaming is extremely profitable, and the networks as well as the movie industry isn't letting them know about the earnings, so they're not paying them their royalties. They're worried about their royalties. The other thing is artificial intelligence, and the fact that artificial intelligence has reached a point where... um, they can take an image of you and a voice sample, Brother Africa or Brother Moses or Brother Mbukwe, Maurice, or Brother Anthony or Haiki. And uh, um, with that voice sample and that imagery, create a whole that doesn't exist with content that was is not real. That means where they aren't your thoughts and feelings, but it's completely computer-generated. And that's the other issue they're fighting. This technology is already being used throughout the world, and now they realize that with their contracts, they have the potential of having uh, the actors having their images used because there's no protection in their contracts to prevent this, and the writers being manipulated by taking the their topic or content and manipulating that with artificial intelligence. But the real danger is for the masses who look at television, go to the movies, that pretty soon everything could be uh, artificial, but only it's not, excuse me, a cartoon or um, it's not uh, some comic book. Instead, it has something that looks like real people with real voices emulating real actors and real writers. So again, the two things that they're fighting are one, um, the 
uh, equity uh, and royalties for their work through streaming. And the other is the artificial intelligence issue. Now, the strike coming up with UPS, of course, is the fact that for the last two decades, UPS has been specializing in hiring as many union-busting capitalist companies are. They hire you as a part-time worker. And under the pretense of you being a part-time worker, you don't receive the wages and the benefits of other workers. But that pits workers against each other and in the long run allows the companies to lower wages for all. And again, um, we see uh, uh, the growing labor movement with uh, Starbucks, with uh, Amazon. But remember, Jeff Bezos told the world when he spent $23 million to bust the union effort in um, Mississippi, that it it was just a part of doing business. And he reminded us all when he stepped off the, the space travel, he thanked the workers and the customers because he didn't make a dime of that money and he didn't make a dime of the $23 million he spent against the workers. That's it for now. Thank you. Thank you, Sister Anor and Brother Subukwe. Your take is the fair game. Do to, do to others as you wish others to do to you. As I stated earlier, in terms of the contradictions of the strike that's going on in Hollywood, um, you have certain aspects of workers, actors, and writers. They're hollering about not getting paid equally and fairly, but at the same time, they participate in a process and network where the same thing they participate in, they do to others and fail to recognize it. I'm just wondering, how do you view this, brother, Subway? Yes, Brother Africa. First off, I want to uh, uh, thank you for clarifying what I was stating earlier in regards to uh, uh, Arab brothers and sisters. I wasn't attacking. Just want to be clear. Um, just you know, just to be clear, I wasn't attacking our um, brothers and Arab sisters uh, on the ground. I was atta- uh, honestly attacking uh, these neo-colonialist um, Arabs and neo-colonialist anyone um, of you know of any. Uh, Group, just just wanted to, uh, to clarify that, and thank you for bringing that to light. In regards to uh, this this strike that we can take place in Hollywood, if you will, I have to agree with the previous um, analysts, uh, Brother Hackey and and, and uh, Brother Anthony, and, and all of the panelists, and, st- and stating that you do see a sense of ind- ind- individualism here at play. Uh, with 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 their strikes, you know, um, I understand that. I just want to make it clear that I do understand that you have what they call, if I if I I'm gonna try my best to state uh, state this correctly, uh, you have what uh, class A actors or actors who not really the the main character in these shows or movies, but they you know they they take little parts or they do the little the little parts or the fill-ins or what have you. I understand they may be um they may be uh uh affected um with these with with, with with these strikes but i have to agree with brother anthony man like you have to you know what where was that same energy 
connected to the people, to the masses of, of people who are striking every day, um, whether it's Kroger, Starbucks, the uh, auto uh, auto industry across the board. And, and, and until uh, us as people, um, regardless if you're an actor, work in a grocery store, bagger, cashier, whatever you do, teacher, whoever, whatever your occupation you, you do, what type of uh, job you do, until we understand that we have to put people over profit, that we need a system that put people over profit, that we need a system who doesn't exploit, exploit one person uh, for their labor. To those actors in Hollywood or Hollywood, if you will, <laughs> If today understand that uh, that Walt Disney is the conglomerate, or or Kevin Feige of Marvel, or Stanley, or any of these capitalist people, these one people, um, they they are the ones who are uh, you know reaping, reaping reaping the benefits of those workers, those uh, actors' uh, labor, if you will, is it, working that you know they have to. Uh, uh, I'm not trying to. Um, minimize what they do, even though some most of the stuff that they're presenting in the media is 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 like I like I stated earlier is weird. It's, it, it represents this uh, economic uh, system that is in place, capitalism. Until we understand that scientific socialism uh, is more of a just system, um, and, and it's more of a people-oriented system that is going to it's going to benefit. What, the, what what is best for the people and, and, and what, you know, what is uh, best for humanism, not for capitalism, not just to support, not just trying to tell their vision, vision of all the uh, replicating of violence, crimes, killing, sexism, all these negative isms, colonial, you know, all these negative things that we see. So we have that quite an understanding. We can, we can go further than just uh, at, the, at the spark of the moment. This is no different than the, um, what they had in the NFL or NBA, they was holding out. And I understand some of um, some progressive thinkers was, was getting frustrated because they had gave in some of the athletes, if you will, had gave in from uh, holding out. They gave in to go back on the court or go back on the field to, to, to throw the ball or play, play that sport. They didn't hold out long enough. They didn't take it to the next level. They went back to exploitation as usual, as usually, but uh, I, I digress, and uh, I conclude. Thank you, Brother Subukwe. And before we make our transition to our theme today, which is part two, America was never built for Africans. I would like to have Brother Haki and Brother Subukwe to maybe speak only a few minutes, if you can, about recently we lost one of our media family members, um, Brother August Moon. Some people may know him as Mr. Wiggles. Some people know about different names, uh, Do Dirty Red. Well, I had the fortune to meet him and know him, know him and work with him in the media industry in this region as we did work on radio and TV. And one of the things I would like to do on behalf of Africa Moon is send our condolences out to all of his family members and friends. That on death, he was a voice for the voiceless, and he understood that the media should move, should be used as a tool to motivate, inspire, to be used as a tool to expose the 
corruptions and the kind of things that are going on that the people need to know about in order so they be better aware of not only what's going on, but how they can best affect changes that will be more positively toward their well-being. Brother Arthur Moon would definitely certainly be missed, and, you know, I would just like to say to the family, well, it was always a, it was a pleasure, honor, and it's always fun to be around this brother based upon my experiences of working with him. Now, other people have had different experiences, but for mine, you know, we, we had a very uh, respectful relationship. And we have a good relationship in terms of trying to understand that the media should be a tool where we inform, enlighten, and elevate people to a higher level of, of movement to move towards making the world a better place. And brother uh, August, you know, rest in peace. Uh, best to his family members. And brother Haki, I know you have had a chance to be around him, to work with him, and see some of his work. Would you just make a statement about his transition and um and how you view Brother Alvin, Brother Haki? Yeah, uh, I I got to tell you, uh, Brother Africa, uh, uh, do do dirty red was a was a, was an interesting character. Uh, one of the things that uh, in the colloquial sense, do dirty was a uh, he was a hustler. I mean, he was about, he, he knew the streets I mean, in and out. But the great thing about him is though, despite that. That propensity in terms of that street, that street level, that street life. Uh, he had a, a, a strong sense in terms of what was right and wrong. I thought that was very really interesting. And as such, that one of the things that you know, even though he wasn't formally educated, uh, one of the great things about Do Dirty is that you know when you know, he appreciated. Can I come yes. back to you? You sort of breaking up. Let me come back to you. Let me try, Brother Maurice, and we'll come back to you. All right. Brother Maurice. In yes. Uh, yes. Go ahead, brother. The mic is yours. Yes. Oh, uh, yeah. I was. I was just going to say. I, I had the pleasure um, to to uh, used to watch my my father. Man, used to call in to his shows back in the nineties. Tell it like it is, as he always used to say. And I remember. I remember on his one episode of his show, he was uh, advocating of going to a a ramp on the south side of Richmond to lay down, to lay down on the, on the, I guess on the exit to block tractor trailers from coming off the exit. I forgot what was the motivation and, and, and brother Africa or brother Haki probably <laughs> remember some of that. But, um, I do recall, recall that, um, you know, at August moon, man, he, he like, uh, <laughs> like brother Haki was alluding to, he was uh, an interesting character of, of many, many names. You know, some people I know as his, you know, his uh, original name of Alexander Randolph, but, or the mayor of Hall Street, so many names, man. But, um, yeah, I, I just had, you know, had a, had a pleasure of meeting August Moon in person uh, when I was pro involved in protesting for the uh, rec uh, reclaiming um, the African burial ground and Stracco Bottom. He pulled up in his limousine, in the limousine. He was in the wheelchair at the time, and he got up and he was, you know, uh, you know, shaking hands of protesters, um, engaging us uh, when we was out there at Stracco Bottom, speaking up and fighting uh, for the rec uh, reclamation of, of of the African African burial ground. That's a, mem a memory I was I, I would I would always hold on. But uh, yeah, you know, he was interesting. 
interesting brother, um, outspoken. He he gave the city council hell in city of Richmond. Um, you don't really see that nowadays. On when I look at city council, you don't really see people like uh, Thatcher or you know August Moon or Fat Alamine or whoever going into the city of Richmond city council giving these people hell. But uh, I will conclude by saying rest in power. Um, thank you uh, for your service to our, our, our brothers and sisters here in Richmond and the Confederacy. Thank you, Brother Maurice. And coming back to Brother Haki. Brother Haki, as for our listening audience, if you hear any noise in the background, it's confusion based upon whatever reasons in terms of it's out of our control. Bear with us a lot of time when you're doing things to try to advance the people, uh, you'll run up in obstacles. So bear with us. Brother Hackey, the mic is yours. Yeah. <clears throat> Can you hear me? Yes, it's better. Oh, it's a little better? Okay. I don't know what's going on. Anyway, uh, yeah, uh, as I was saying uh, about uh, do, do Dirty Red, uh, you know, uh, it, interesting about him, that even though he wasn't formally educated, uh, the great thing was that he had he had such love and, and, and respect, you know, for African people, and I, I thought that was very very interesting. Uh, normally, when you talk about people who are caught up in the uh, <clears throat> or caught up in that street life, normally uh, the, the conditions they live under doesn't give them time to appreciate or to even respect uh, the struggles of African people, simply because they're caught up in their own struggles. But he was able to balance the two, uh, you know, being a part of you know a very uh, but also at the same time uh, appreciating the necessity in terms of struggle, in terms of bringing about, you know, you know justice for the African community. Uh, he epitomized all of that. So Do Dirty was very, very special in that regard. So I think definitely we will miss him. And, uh, you know, again, I want to express my condolences to his family in terms of, you know, all that August Moon embraced and all that he stood for. And certainly I wish there would be more like August Moon you know, in terms of, you know, um, despite the conditions that they find themselves living under, understand the necessity in terms of, <clears throat> you know, struggle to bring about a more a more fruitful day for the masses of African people in the society. So, again, you definitely will be missed. Thank you, Brother Maurice and Brother Sabuqua. Again, to the family members, our condolences goes out to Brother August Moon. And one of the things that he was trained for saying is, you hear me say it a lot, it's a flattery. And I'd like to give him his prop because I took it from his page where he came up with the slogan, I'm in the seat, I take the heat, as I decide now stand behind it. And um, you know, he had a show, a radio and TV show called Tell It Like It Is. And that's exactly what he did. And we're going to miss him, but again, we'd like to thank him for being a positive example for understanding that the airways should be used as a tool to inspire the people to move forward. So again, Rest in peace, my brother. Job well done. And at this point in time, we're going to make our transition to our theme tonight, which is part two. America was never built for Africans. What we're going to do right now for the next 20 minutes or so, we're going to play a clipping from Akon, who is a rapper, an artist, and he's so-called now, he's a car type of businessman, a capitalist. And the theme is America was never built for African people. He used the word black, but it's an African people. We're going to play this clipping, and we like to have a serious critique from this clipping in terms of, you know, do you really think that um, black capitalism is, is, is the best thing that um, the African need right now in order to build it up, you know? But he makes a really interesting statement. 
America will never be for Africans. Just listen to the script when we come back. Panelists, I'd like to have your critique of this particular um, interview by him from Ella Jewel. This is Brother Africa on Africa. Musician, songwriter, producer. Senegalese American artist Akon has sold over 35 million records worldwide. He's probably best known for hit songs like Locked Up, Don't Matter, and collaborations with some of the biggest names in music, Michael Jackson, David Guetta, and Lady Gaga, to name just a few. But Akon is also an activist, a philanthropist. Hands up high, peace signs up high! He devotes a lot of time to promoting peace in conflict zones like the Democratic Republic of Congo. I wanna be free, I wanna be, I wanna be free. And a lot of money on an ambitious project to improve the quality of life of one million Africans by bringing them electricity. He's doing good, but making money at the same time. But there is also controversy about his lyrics and performance style. We caught up with Akon in Dubai. He talks music, business, and being an African in America. Akon talks to Al Jazeera. Akon, thank you so much for talking to Al Jazeera. No, absolutely. Now, very few artists are able to take their celebrity and build it into a brand that goes far beyond the art, the music in your mm -hmm. case. Now, you seem to be succeeding in doing just this. What's the secret? Well, it's not really a secret. I mean, you got to be a businessman first. You know, this is the music business. Some people, more relating to artists, they exclude the business and they have other people that run it. And, but ultimately, when I create musically, I figure out how is that music can be maximized in a way to... So are you, then, are you then a businessman first and then a musician second? Oh, yeah, I started off as a hustler. So I'm first businessman, then a <laughs> musician, right. for sure. You've got quite a lot going on, a clothing line, uh, nightclubs, investments in Africa, a, a diamond mine even here in South Africa. Uh, what is it? Is this like social capitalism? I mean, you are making money, obviously. What do you say to people who say, oh, this is all just, you know, a way for Akon to make money? That's, it's well, not it, really... It, it is a way for me to make money. So you, It's clearly a business. It's a business. Yeah, yeah, do not get it twisted. It's a real business. It's just ultimately at the stage where I'm at now, I only want to get into business that's going to help people. It's going to change lives. It's going to make a difference. Because I can be an artist and just, you know, be on stage and do endorsements and just make money, literally. But I have, I'm in a position where I'm gifted in a, in a place where... I've been offered opportunities where I can make a difference and change lives. So why not make money and change lives at the same time? Social capitalism. Basically, yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> let's talk a bit more about your Africa-focused ventures. I want to start off with uh, Akon Lighting Africa. What's been achieved? We actually overachieved. <laughs> uh, we're beyond a million households now. We're actually in 14 countries. Um, we started with just creating uh, solar energy for rural areas in the and, and, and house homes, and then now we're doing solar street lamps all through countries, and also in, um, incorporating it within each country. We're putting um, solar in all the villages, and we're also creating a system to where we're actually employing all the locals to be able to maintain it, and also, you know, keep everything 
pretty much in order. Mm. But, but I mean, you, you have to acknowledge that it's a huge challenge to bring electricity to Africa. I mean, five million people don't have power, yeah. and only 1% of private sector investments actually go to Africa. A and, you know, I wonder when you say you're in 14 countries, how many people have you actually reached? Like, for instance, uh, Guinea Conakry, for instance, right? We're in Guinea Conakry. Uh, we have 30,000 street lamps there, and it's all solar. Uh, these are areas where you couldn't even drive or even walk out at night. So you wouldn't even have a clue where you're going. So all those areas and people in that path, it's actually affecting. And then we also have over 100,000 home systems um, in selected villages in those areas. And we're still expanding in those areas. And that's just one country. And I wonder, how was the initiative received by, by the different African governments in Guinea, Senegal? I mean, because these are governments that are often criticized for not doing Absolutely. enough. Uh, you know, <laughs> when it comes to electricity, I mean, President Macky Sall in Senegal mm -hmm. was heavily criticized when he started. Did they welcome your initiative? I think every single country was a little specifically suspicious. Because they was like, okay, he's a music guy. What is he doing in energy? You know, so it was always that. But we came fully prepared for all, you know, uh, answers to every question. And we also came prepared to execute. So we didn't come into these countries with an idea. We already put together full team, full infrastructure. So from the moment we came in, we came in creating pilots. We didn't even ask the country for any money. We put up our own money in the beginning and allowed the president How to choose. How much money are we talking? Well, it depends on the pilot, you know, but we allowed them to choose the village that they would want electrified first, just to give them a scope of work, how we work, and so on and so forth. And ultimately, after that, they were all in full belief, and then we continued and did the whole country afterwards. Mm. Yeah. But how much money, again, did you invest in this particular project? Collectively, I don't have all the accounting, but per village, it could range from 100000 to 250000 just for a pilot. There is Acorn Lighting Africa. Um, you've also uh, joined the non-profit organization Peace One Day mm -hmm. uh, with a huge concert in Goma in the east of the DRC earlier this year. Tell us about that experience. What, what's the objective? Well, with Peace One Day, it's, um, it's really a, a, a huge event that just promotes peace. Um, it's that one day in the year where you just ask yourself, who do I want to make peace with? You know, um, We oftentimes are conflicted and no one's communicating. Like, you could be mad at me for a whole year and a half and we haven't even spoke. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, a lot of times, it's just all miscommunication. So Peace One Day is that moment that we try to create annually that can create that moment for people to communicate. What was it like to perform at the airport in Goma? No, no, listen. The, the, just putting that concert together, I mean, it was a whole year of preparation. And we couldn't find a venue big enough to do it. And we ultimately, you know, reached out to the government and see if we can take the airport. The runway at the airport because that was the only place where we can create a concert that would allow so many people there. And it was just an experience. I mean, it was amazing. Very, very well. But you know, Ikon, once the concert is over, these people in Goma go back to their daily lives of hardship, of war, because that's the reality for them. War. war. That's war, what they've known. War is a choice. War is a choice. Well, well, See, the, thing is, the thing is this, right? Everyone has to go back to their daily lives. But they won't go back to their daily lives with the same mind state they walked into it with. I mean, who's I'm going to war? I mean, it's, it's not the people who came to see your concert. They're the victims. So who should your message really be addressed well, to? the thing is this. A war can only happen if it's supported by the people. I mean, it's, it's simple. It's people that carry guns and shoot. Mm. You're a person. Like, these are people that do it. So 
they have to be the one to make that difference and that change. And they have to say, you know what, I'm not doing this. What difference do you think it's made for the people of Goma? I mean, if I look at, if I could save one life in a year that was meant to not be here, I think it's a difference made. So when you take a whole day of no guns, no firepower, no bombs, no nothing, it's just straight peace, you know how many lives were saved that day? It was a lot. It may not be, you know, to people's standards as a difference made, but mm. to me, one life, you know, gone is a difference made. It's been a very busy year for you. Uh, in addition to Peace One Day, there's also the silent campaign for Ebola, uh, which uh, was launched by uh, one, uh, the One Campaign, right? Mm. I mean, we saw several artists, Bono, Pew, Angelique Kidjo, Femi Kuti, just to name a few African artists, take part in this silent campaign that's urging basically governments to do more in the fight uh, against Ebola. I'm almost tempted to say, you know, this is the cynical voice in me, there you go again, you know, Africa needing help from foreigners. Absolutely. I think it's an it's a issue that Africa has to face as well, too. And I think we play a huge role. We just have to rebrand our continent. Because when you look at, prime example, just the Ebola crisis in general, you know, a lot of it stemmed in certain parts of Africa, you know. Um, and yes, it has to be contained in so many ways. But in a lot of ways, I think it's been overly exaggerated so much to where it's going to really affect Africa's economy in the future. What, what has been over-exaggerated? The Ebola crisis. I mean, think about it. Malaria has killed more people than Ebola. Mm -hmm. <laughs> really. Mm -hmm. You know, but the way the media has portrayed this thing, and when you look at it, it's, all, it's a billion and change of people in Africa. This is a couple of thousand people that's been affected, which is less than 0.1% of anyone getting touched or affected, but the fear of it is so strong that people wouldn't even want to travel to Africa because of that. Mm -hmm. And that affects Africa's economy, it affects its future, it affects the business. What do you think of these Western charity songs as a response to African emergency? I mean, honestly, you want to applaud anyone that wants to do something great for, an, for a cause. And I'm sure everyone that's doing it has nothing but great intentions towards it. Mm -hmm. But the question is, once it's done, what is the action being taken afterwards? Because it's the same amount of people that are still infected. Actually, it's more now than it was before all this money raised. And it's only a few thousand people. So why isn't anything happening? What do happening? you think is happening to the money that's raised? Use your common sense. <laughs> it's not going to Africa. <laughs> where is it going? I, honestly, if I knew that question, I would definitely expose it. But I don't. Mm. I don't know where it's going. Well, you know, the reason I asked about what, what you thought about all these Western musicians and so on, because mm -hmm. there's a paternalistic view that still exists today, and this is like decades after colonialism and so on, that Africa still must be saved <laughs> yeah. by the West. Well, actually, honestly, believe it or not, that's actually true. But I don't think the word save is the right word for Africa. Because Africa, to an extent, has been the anchor to the rest of the world. Every natural resource that's keeping every country in the world operating is resource that's been pulled from Africa. Everyone benefits but Africa. So Africa doesn't need to be saved. Africa's the one doing the saving. Akon, you've said, if I could have my way, Africa would be the United States of Africa with just one leader. 100%. Of course, Mar Mar Marcus Garvey wrote a poem about this, Bob Marley sung about this, Muammar Gaddafi, the Libyan leader, poured his wealth into this idea of the United States of Africa. But really, is it 
when you look at Africa today, a continent of over a billion people, over 2,000 different languages. Is it realistic? Well, first of all, I think it has to be our generation and the generation that come after us to achieve it. I don't think this generation would ever be able to achieve it because there's too much history and it's too much built up into where it started today. It has to be set from a, uh, a generation that's clear from the history, clear from conflict, and see it, the world in the way that we see it. The only way Africa can evolve in that way is that we have to be united. There has to be a united Africa. It has to be one Africa. It can't be so many countries with so many leaders, so many opinions. You know, all those countries, I think, should be broken down into basically states. And there should be one president and he or she should be democratically elected by all Africans to do what's best for But, Africa. I mean, in just one country already, it's so difficult to have a democratic election. How, how do you have a democratic election in, in, an, in a so-called uh, United States of Africa? How do you do that? It's not hard. I mean, listen, if China can do it, and they don't even have a democratic election. <laughs> so maybe what? So you know maybe, what I mean? maybe what? Democracy is something no, that Africa I mean, doesn't need, Africa, maybe. It, maybe there has it has to be, to be another form of rule. There has to be elections. If you want to keep Africa stable, there has to be elections. All we need is Africans to be able to govern themselves. We're stopping Africa from governing themselves now and creating that one Africa is that there's still foreigners in certain areas that still control Africa. Mm -hmm. You know, prime example, the, the former colonial the Francophone, countries. Francophone countries. If the French just get out the way, we can really be okay. But a lot of the wars is set up from influences. Are you interested in getting into politics one day? Absolutely not. Hell no. <laughs> Why is that? I mean, you have all these great ideas, but uh, it's not interesting. I would prefer to be the guy standing next to the president. I would never want to be a president. Akon, you, you considered um, a first-generation American. Your parents are African. You were born in the United States, but spent your early childhood mm -hmm. uh, in, in Senegal and then moved back to the United States. What do you consider yourself today? Are you American? Are you African? Are you African-American? What, what are you? I'm an African raised in America. Yeah, clearly. So you're not American? I wish I was, but my mind is not African. I mean, American. It's clearly African. But you have the accent. You have, oh, you know, I, the... You know, I went to school in America. Uh -huh. um, my, all my whole, whole earlier childhood, I was raised in Africa. Mm -hmm. um, then I came to America. Every summer, we would go back to Africa for a vacation. And then when I graduated high school, it was a choice whether we wanted to go to Africa or stay in the U.S., and just the opportunities in the U.S. were so much greater than Africa. Well, you're certainly the perfect example of the American dream coming true. Well, you know, thank you. Millions of Africans who make it to the States and who don't, you know, have the same uh, success and the same luck as you have. And, you know, what would be your advice to a young African who's immigrating to the United States today? Well, I think that this advice will go to any person migrating into the States. Ultimately, you can't change who you are. And I think... The biggest uh, obstacle is that when people come to the U.S., they kind of alienate their original uh, personalities, way of life, and they conform to what's there. And when you do that, first of all, that, you will never that, get accepted. But isn't that the best way to integrate? Absolutely though? not, because first of all, you don't, you can't, it's no way you can move forward, and you're not you. Like, one thing I do notice about America is that they respect other cultures. They actually admire other cultures very much. So when they can see the difference in who you are, their attitude towards you is completely different as well, too. 
But if you're walking into me and I know you're a foreigner, but you're acting like an American, you just off, you just seem fake. It's not genuine. So the respect level is completely different. But if I walk up to you as an American and you're clearly an African or Asian, that makes me more curious about who you are. I ask more questions. I'm now more, in, you know, I'm more intuitive about what and what this is. I get more motivated to want to learn more about it. And then the respect level is different because now you're teaching me something. Hmm. You follow? So, so, so when you're in the States, you're proud to say you're African? Oh, absolutely. Hmm. Absolutely, clearly African. Right. Uh, you know, you once told The Source magazine, and I, and I want to quote this, black people in the U.S. can nag all they want how the system is against black people, but if they saw how other people lived in Africa, they would see how blessed they really are. Do you still believe this today when, when you see unarmed black teenagers being killed by the police? When you see protests in St. Louis, in Missouri, where you lived for a long time, when you see people taking to the streets in Atlanta and New York to denounce police brutality against uh, young African-American men, do you think the system really is for these people? Well, the system was never for them. So what yeah. made you say this? Because I'm, I, when I said that, I was talking about the environment and where they live and the rights that they actually have and the blessing that they do, you know, um, have actual access to. In Africa, the way I grew up, let's just pick a project in New York, for instance. That's a five-star hotel compared to the environment I came up in. Like, if they see how they live, they actually get money from the government. They actually are programs that helps the impoverished and the, the poor and you get food stamps and, I mean, like, they have it good compared to Africa. <laughs> you follow? There's a huge difference in how the government uh, allocates funds towards poor and how the government allocates poor, I mean, funds towards poor in, in, in Africa. The environments are not even left and right. If these guys were able to be taken from where the environment they're in now to the same equal environment in Africa, they would be crying to come back home to America. Mm. But Literally. You, but you say now that the system no. is against them. When you well, talk about, when you now talk let's about, get to the yeah, system. Yeah, the I was system. talking about way of life. Right. Now as far as the system, the system in America was never built for black people. And it's never, it's, this is my personal opinion. I'm speaking for myself. I don't believe it was never built for black people because that system has never been changed. Those documents have never been altered. These things were made back in a umpteen hundreds and these are the same exact literature that's down today so mind you at the time it was made black people was never in a position where they were you know looked at as equal so if it's the same documents that they're applying today in 2014 it wasn't meant for them what was it like growing up as a black man in america well in america it was a little different because i was a foreigner i was african and i was very dark-skinned and at the time dark skin wasn't really in style so i was always getting picked on in school mm -hmm. um so my, my but you were in trouble a lot. That's what got me in trouble. It was frustration. What got you in trouble? Just you know the the way I felt. Um, un, I was I felt I was being mistreated mm -hmm. and um, unfairly judged because I was African. So I was always in fights. And uh, you spent time in jail. I spent some time in jail. Collectively about three years, but my longest bid was about six months. What for? Stealing cars and hustling. Yeah. So again, what was it like? Then, I mean, when you, when you see, you know, Ferguson, Missouri today and, you know, you hear of Michael Brown and it's, Eric it's Garner and so on. 
do it's you, do you sympathize? Do you, sympathize do, you, do you see? Do you do you understand that experience that these people are denouncing? Today? I clearly understand the frustration. What I don't understand is that how, like, if I'm in a position of where they are, and I don't want to speak too much from them because I think I may have some knowledge that they may not quite have, right? Because I've been in a position where I've experienced Africa and I've experienced the United States. I always felt like Africa was for Africans. So when I see African Americans in America dealing with all these issues, my first question is, why don't they just go back home? Where? Back to Africa. Will they be treated fair? Will they actually be praised for who they are because of the fact that they're American? They'll get way better treatment. They can invest their but money But come back on, Akon, how, how do you tell people who've lived for generations, centuries and centuries, mm -hmm. in one land to move back to a place well, that they don't know? I mean, No, but that's my point. They right. don't know. It starts with a visit. How many African Americans do you know actually consider Africa as a vacation spot? Not one. There's very, I mean, when you look at the overall population of African Americans, a very few percentage would decide to go to Africa f for vacation. Mm -hmm. Would even, just for knowledge, just to know where they come from, just to get an idea of what that is. It's so much fear installed into them that they wouldn't even want to even go there to visit. You mentioned Africa, they start shaking. Mm -hmm. I, I want to talk about women and, and your view of women. I love women. <laughs> when you sing about them, they're called sexy chicks and I'm, this is a clean version of course yeah without being disrespectful that's without the best, being that's disrespectful. the only word i can use to describe but it. yeah sex, yes. sexy chicks nice. uh there's <laughs> the infamous incident of course uh in trinidad mm -hmm. in 2007 where you know you were dancing very suggestively to say the least with a teenage with girl yeah. yeah um you know and i know this is not just you i mean in hip-hop in general women are called you know names but I wonder, I wonder, Akon, you know, can, can dehumanizing women be passed off as entertainment? Well, I, don't, I wouldn't call it dehumanizing, you know, like the women themselves call each other more than we do as men. Like right really? now, I promise you, if I was to have, if I was sitting and listen to a female conversation, they'd be like, you so crazy, girl. But it's just a figure of speech. I just think some people are just so uptight that they don't just embrace personality. Like, this is just loose enough. So what do you respond to, to people who say that you're, you don't respect women? No, nah, I mean, not, honestly, they clearly don't know me. There's not a woman in my life that will sit here and tell you that I don't respect women. But you've urged women also to consider polygamy. You think a man should have several women in Well, I mean, life. that depends on the culture you follow. You know, I came from a different environment where you can marry more than one wife, you know? Let's talk about music because your fans won't forgive me if we don't talk about Akon <laughs> and the music and, you know, the next album. It's been six years, Akon. What's happening? Are you too busy building other people's careers to make your own music now? Well, I built my career off building other people's careers. Um, I always loved the art of collaboration because I felt like with collaboration, you can always, you know, expand the art. You know, they teach me something. I learn something. I teach them something, they learn something. And then not only that, but you create a synergy of music that people haven't heard or a combination that people don't expect. Mm -hmm. And I always thought that made music more interesting, you know? All right, but when's the next album? Again, I mean, it's been a while. Yeah, it's been a minute. It's been a minute. So? It's been a minute. So 215, for sure, this album is definitely coming out. And, and what's it going to sound like? Because, you know, some of your fans that have been speaking to say, we miss the original Akon. 
the 2006 convict icon with the exactly. hip-hop sound. Uh, I mean, now it's all about dance. It's all, it's all about, you know, club music and so on. What, what, what's happened? Is, it, is this an attempt, you know, to be more commercial? No, nah, I think um, me as an artist, I just grow. I've been growing, and I've been growing real fast. And now that I've been traveling, I've been growing even more. But one thing I did learn is exactly what you said. There's a lot of fans that all have their own favorite part of Akon's growth. Mm -hmm. So this new album is set up to where you give each audience their own focus point. So that's why the album is broken up into four parts. It's called Stadium, and then you have the Urban Stadium, which will give you all the street records that you loved from me in the earlier part. Mm -hmm. And then you have the Afro Stadium, which is all the African-type music that my audience in the States have probably have never even heard. You know, then I have the International Stadium, which gives you more of the international, global, world music sound. And then I have the Euro Stadium, which is all the dance type of music and records. So they're broken up into four parts. There's going to be six songs to, and a seven bonus track on each one of them. And mm -hmm. then you can purchase it all together as a package, or you can pick just the genre that you desire when it comes to it. Well, I can't wait to hear it. Thank really? you so very much <laughs> for speaking to us, Sikhan. Thank you. You got it. Welcome you back to Africa on the Moon. I'm Brother Africa. We did with our theme tonight, part two. America was never built for Africans, according to Brother Akon. And we're going to ask our political panelists and you, the listening audience, to call in at 323-679-0841 if you have any views and comments that you would like to make based upon listening to this recent interview by Alice Jewell as they spoke to him about his role in Africa as being an artist, being a businessman, as he was saying, practicing social capitalism. What in the hell that ever mean? So uh, we'd like to have the critique for our panelists. We'll start with you. I keep the interview was filled with so many concerns, issues, good and bad, and I'd like for you to share your critique of what you heard for this interview, particularly from the general theme tonight, Brother Africa, I mean, Brother Haki, your perspective. <laughs> you know, social capitalism be good for Africa. <clears throat> Is this a double front, another Trojan horse? Like they use many of us to do their bid for the control and domination of Africa. We can see that a lot of Africans born in America with money is now going to Africa and calling themselves businessmen, participating in the exploitation of their own people. Do you see him as another example, or is he too quick legit? Is he legit? What's your take this from what you heard, brother, brother Haki? I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think so. But can you hear me? Yes, we can. I don't, I don't think so. Yeah. I, I think, I, I think at the very, at the very, at the very, at the very least, uh, you could say that he's optimistic. I don't think at uh, to the sense that he talked about he's a social capitalist, that he's actually endorsing capitalism. I think what he's was he attempting to say is that you know, uh, in terms of, you know, uh, uh, you know. Making money is important to him, but he's trying to use that money for for some good, and that's fine. Uh, but I think that in the context, clearly, when you talk about you know compassion and capitalism, in the same talk in the same breath, and clearly uh, those two, two two statements that can't be reconciled. There's no such thing as compassion and capitalism. Uh, it just doesn't exist. 
or perception may be that you use your money for good, that that's a good thing. But what it doesn't do, it doesn't challenge the systems that are in place that impoverish people in the first place. So one of the problems I have in terms of his, in terms of his, his analysis, in terms of you know, you know, outsiders having Africa, you know, must outsiders must come to save Africa. It is one of those kind, it's one of those those those, those mindsets, unfortunately, you know, which is pretty prevalent among the neocolonial, uh, neocolonialists that that exist in Africa. Their position is that to the extent that uh, Africa can progress then it has to be done uh, in the context, you know, of others' uh, others' uh, uh, goodwill. And also keep in mind that when we talk about others' goodwill, particularly the West, essentially what these neocolonialists are talking about is that to the extent that I prosper, I prosper personally and what's their real motivation is. It's all about them getting money too. So they realize by having the West involved in terms of projects in, in, in Africa, then they are sure in terms of getting a piece of the pie. They're not really concerned in terms of the structural aspect in terms of systems or, 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 the, or, the, or the kind of external control that's being executed in Africa to ensure the subjugation and impoverishment of Africa. So I think in that regard, I think Akon is pretty, pretty naive in terms of the systematic structures uh, that, that exist in terms of ensuring Africa may impoverish and, and backward. Also, when you talk about the fact that, you know, what, what the question around uh, most, most Africans, you know, wouldn't go to Africa to visit, or, or when you mention the word Africa, people shudder. You know, to uh, let's 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 be very very clear. You know what I'm saying? Um, at one point in history, that may have been true. Assuming uh, there's a tremendous amount of ignorance in relation to Africa, and certainly there's a tremendous amount of self hatred that exists in Africa. Uh, uh, so clearly, you know, a lot of times historically in the past, the mass of people didn't particularly relate to Africa simply because of ignorance and self hatred. But that is not no longer the situation now. More and more, increasingly, more and more people are going to Africa not just to visit, but to actually live in Africa. So I think that paradigm has shifted. So I think that uh, he does a disservice by pointing this notion, by pointing out, or, or, or simply, or, 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 or apparently, or jumping to point out, you know, this, this, this inadequacy in terms of, you know, uh, desire of African people to visit the continent. I think that has changed, and that should be reflected in, in this discussion. Maybe at this point in time, he has a different uh, view in terms of that particular question. I, I think that also when he talked about the conditions that Africa, I conclude this about Africa, but when he talked about the conditions that, uh, that, that, that Africans in America are subjected to, is privileged compared to the conditions that Africans face back in Africa. I think he does a disservice in terms of understanding history. He thinks that he's equating materialism, access to some material, materialism, as being, as being uh, the, 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 the essential. He didn't see that as being the essential uh, uh, qualifier in terms of you know, one's work. So he's equating the materialism. So you have, in other words, if you have access to materialism, you're better to somebody than someone who doesn't have access uh, to materialism. So when so you contrast Africans in the U.S., Africans on the continent, and you talk about the kind of poverty that exists in Africa, he, his position is that to our Africans, by virtue of that reality, Africans in America, you know, wouldn't want to be a part of that, and certainly, uh, you know, that uh, they're blessed in terms of being in America. So I think that goes back to the whole mindset in terms of defining oneself based on materialism. What he fails to understand is just from a psychological point of view, what he perceives as favorable in terms of the African experience in, a, in America, he doesn't still understand the psychological aspect in terms of African growing up in America, uh, the kind of contempt, the self-loathing, all those things that tend to make life that's much more traumatic, that's more stressful, uh, he doesn't understand. You grow up in a poverty in Africa, which, by the way, that's not, Africa is not totally impoverished. 
like any other place, you have classes of people. <clears throat> you have the poor, you have the middle, and you have the very, very wealthy. You have classes. But to the extent that since he talks about specifically poor Africans, uh, one of the things that we understand the psychological aspect, when you compare Africans on the continent, despite the poverty they endure, have a much stronger sense in terms of who they are. Not only do you have the benefits in terms of language and culture and knowing you belong to a certain country, that is not the, the reality for African people. As a matter of fact, when you talk about the history of African people, all that has been stripped from us. We are a, a microcosm, or for lack of a term, a, 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 a facsimile, for lack of a better term, a facsimile of, 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 of who we're supposed to be. We don't see ourselves in terms of legitimate sense, in a legitimate state, in a legitimate sense, we don't see ourselves in terms of the African identity. We see ourselves as a composite in terms of what it is to be Americans. As such, America has been able to 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 inculcate in us what we perceive as uh, what we perceive as as as, as 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 being worthy. To the extent that we're worthy, we're talk they're talking about we're conditioned to believe that emulating those those in the West is the only way we can be perceived as legitimate. In, in our in our being, so I think to the extent that we internalize, you know, all the stuff in terms of what it is to be a quality person, I think that kind of internalization has a very very negative impact in terms of our psychological well-being, which Acorn doesn't appreciate. He doesn't understand because he's simply looking at it from a material perspective. He's simply saying, well, you got access to this, and and, and you got a project, you live in a project, at least you got running water. Uh, well, where I come from, I had to go to a river to get water. And so, therefore, given that reality, so therefore, you, quote, unquote, are better off than Africans on the continent. But when you look from a psychological point of view, it's the exact opposite, which explains why Africans from the continent can come to America and do well, because they got a culture, they got a language, they know who they are, they got, they, they got their identity, they got all those empty, the intangibles in terms of being all they can be. It's already just when they come here. We, on the other hand, have been brought, have been here, and we've been internalizing all the wrong things. And the struggle for us, historically, as well as currently, is that we've been trying to get our people to understand the necessity in terms of creating organizations, institutions that reinforces in terms of who we are, our contributions to you know to this world, you know our our our, our capabilities. We have to create those conditions to make sure our children grow up with the same kind of mindset. That's the same in terms of trying to inculcate that mindset in our children has been negated to a large extent by by a sort of a colonial mindset that exists in the mass about that. In terms of who they are, is defined based upon material possession. And so for those Africans in America who are fortunate to have, quote, unquote, uh, material possessions, their position is that they don't have any real relationship with Africans who don't have access to material possessions. In other words, their position is that they are better off or better than those people who are poor. And I know for some people that sounds, uh, sounds very, very general. But the bottom line is but when you look at in terms of the behaviors of people who are African community who have access to materialism, and you look in terms of analyzing what they say and what they do, they clearly there's a disconnect between, you know, uh, professing on one hand to be concerned about African people, but on the other hand, actually doing nothing to empower African people. In fact, even to dismiss the struggle of African people by saying that the struggle of African people is inconsequential, it's simply not important. And so when you got that kind of psychological disposition, uh, you're at a disadvantage. So in other words, it's Africans who are born in Africa who have their own language, their own culture, their own tradition, who know who they are, who have a country, who you know who have all those intangibles? They're much in a much much better place psychologically than Africans who are born here, despite the access to materialism. So this is the thing that Akon doesn't understand because he he doesn't I, I don't think he fully appreciates in terms of the psychological aspect. He's looking at it purely as a businessman from a monetary aspect or material aspect. 
And unfortunately, you know, many of us in the society do look at our existence from a material aspect, and we define ourselves based upon materialism. And as long as we do that, then certainly, certainly the kind of traumatic or the emotional pain that we feel or the, or the trauma in our souls that we experience is not going anywhere. All of that negates and gives us actually come together, work together, create conditions to make sure that the future, future generations of children don't grow up with similar kind of traumatic uh, psychological trauma and make it free them up to be the best they can be uh, 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 based upon uh, uh, based upon a myriad of, uh, of, of accomplishments, you know, by African people, you know, uh, throughout the centuries in, in North America. But having said that, Brother Africa, I don't want to go on. I don't get other people, so I'm going to close with that. And um, thank you for the question. Uh, thank you for your response. Brother Anthony, talk to me. I don't understand, Brother Anthony. Am I being um, too, um, what's the word for, unrealistic? I go, hmm, when I first heard this interview, Brother Anthony, I heard he said that he has investing or he has he's supplying electricity for over five million people. He's doing business, investing in fourteen African countries. Uh he's making plenty of money, but when you talk about infrastructure and providing electricity and stuff, this is something that the governments themselves can do why he's giving us free range to do things that the government themselves have not done or is not doing. And the whole fact of looking at the dichotomy between the struggle to recolonize Africa, when you look at the behavior of the West, why would they allow Africans, wherever they come, wherever they come from, to reinvest and really create an Africa that will be independent? of their control. Um, this picture doesn't look quite quite the way I think it really should look to me. But what's your critique, Brother Anthony, based upon what you heard? Uh, well, you let's see. My critique is, first of all, social capitalism is nothing more than capitalism, pure and simple. And uh, uh, one of capitalism's techniques of survival to adopt some of the features of socialism without fully implementing socialism. So we can't. Uh, so those of us who have that understanding of socialism cannot be misled by that. Uh, what he is. Uh, uh, what the journalist that interviewed him was talking about was, uh, you know, some socialist features that uh, that characterize socialism, but uh, but 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 she's confusing about by, by saying social capitalism, she's confusing two different concepts. Capitalism is about the exploitation of one human being by another, regardless of nationality, ethnicity, class, et cetera. And uh, what, uh, and uh, it, 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 it's confusing because, um, you know, it, it deals with a hodgepodge of uh, concepts. And uh, let's see, in terms of, um, you know, providing electricity. 
I mean, uh, I mean that's a positive in a, in the sense that uh, you 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 have white where you did not have white before. I mean, uh, I mean, uh, socialism does not reject uh, modern technology at all. Uh, is very much, uh, you know, consistent with that. The the question under capitalism that we have to ask is, is the progress being made adequate for the conditions in which people are living today? And uh, he doesn't address that at all because he takes the view of the capitalist. And uh, and uh, capitalist, uh, you know, he says he's a businessman. That means all the businesses he have he engages in have to make a profit, either for himself or his employers. And uh, you know, so it uh, it's re- it, it really is kind of like presenting a rose-colored picture of neocolonialism to me. And, uh, you know, it's kind of dangerous in that respect uh, because it it spreads confusion more than anything else. And... uh, you know what we what what, uh, what we have to uh, strive for are genuine socialist policies that in, in which end the, the exploitation of one human being by another human being. And uh, and the thing about it though, he mentioned that he had had investments in a diamond mine, diamonds. Are that's nothing more than the exploitation of uh, one group of Africans by another, and uh, you know capitalism is all caught up in that. And uh, you know uh, he 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 is correct uh, that uh, America was not built for Africans. It wasn't because uh, the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, the basic documents that govern the U.S. were conceived during the era of chattel slavery. And the masses of Africans were in chattel slavery at that time. So he, he's correct in that sense, that it wasn't for, for us. But in order to build a society that's for us, we have to liberate our homeland. And we can only do that through permanent organization of the masses of our people. Thank you, Brother Ashley. From Brother Ashley, we'll go to Brother Moses. Brother Moses, you heard what Brother Akon had to say. Is he a friend or foe to Africa? What's your critique, Brother Moses? Yeah, yeah, I've, I've seen these um, projects before. I mean, you can solve the world's problem and make a profit while doing it. Um, it's nothing new under the sun. Uh, 
but certainly, you know, it's commendable that that uh, that you know the needs of the people are being met uh, with this with water projects and different things, uh, and we that's commendable. But uh, we need to teach people to cooperate with each other and to uh, solve the problems uh, together uh, through cooperation and working together. Uh, but, um, you know, I, I, uh, I even, the, we, we're in a transition. We have to, we have to, um, start a transition, uh, called socialism transition from capitalism to communism. And that transition in, doesn't happen overnight. There, there will be, Socialists and communists uh, coexisted uh, as we make that transition. And hopefully, the capitalists will be on a decline, and the socialists will be on the increase. And uh, so, this is the dilemma we're faced with. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Brother Moses. We make a transition to Sister Eleanor. Talk to me, Sister Eleanor. If America will never be for Africans, why do many of us see when we claim to be American? What is your critique from what you heard, Sister Eleanor? Well, you heard Brother Acorn say it himself. He's an African in America, and Africans born in America are Africans uh from America. But however, the idea and the concepts discussed by the interviewer, such as uh Gaviism and Pan Africanism, was given birth to in the Americas. So in terms of listening to Acorn, I feel that he's a successful young man with some misinformation. And uh I agree with the other analyst said, yeah, he's doing some good things right now in Africa. But if you notice when he was speaking, he couldn't give you the budget. So I was wondering how much the IMF, the International Monetary Fund, and others play a role in financing his projects. So they are important. Because as Brother Sabukwe mentioned earlier, he was talking about the situation in uh, Tunisia and uh, and that and also he didn't mention it, but Libya and those projects are being funded by the European Union Border Assistance Mission uh, EU bomb uh, and uh, their goal is to create a new uh, uh, border block in Africa to stop Africans from leaving Africa. Also, uh, he talked about his uh, lack of respect for women in his music and suggested that it was a woman thing. And that's how African women in America speak to each other. And he was very family-oriented, and he said, no one that I know would say I disrespect women. But he didn't 
he forgot to mention his music and how it sounds of women. But he's definitely a businessman, and he's definitely a capitalist. And right now, and and with cap with Africa being so much of a neo-colonialist community, um, he's definitely able to make what positive changes uh, because he has access to the IMS. He has access to his American education. And he also, when the journalist talked about Moak Gaddafi, one of the greatest African leaders, and the fact that Moak Gaddafi was asking Africans, do not accept money from the IMF. Do not do this and that. He gave his life for Africa. That's why he was assassinated, because he was attempting to unite Africa, to truly unite Africa. So uh, apparently ACORN's no threat to the uh, community or or the imperialists or the neo-colonialists or the colonialists. Because right now, as the bouquet said, uh, Tunisia and Libya are being recolonialized. They are literally tens of thousands of Europeans going to train people in Tunisia and Libya to be uh, guerrilla fighters to stop the border crossing. And uh, so I'm listening to him and I'm thinking about all these people dying that are trying to escape Africa. And then this other comment that was really absurd was when he talking about these people, we got the project. They get food stamps. They get to starve in America. They get to eat mac and cheese. He did everything but said that. And uh, it reminds me of the woman whose son was killed in Michigan. Everything about her son, if they had spoken to him, if they had done this, they would have seen he's not like, he's not like the former, the descendants of the former enslaved, and therefore her son was not like people defined by the world as African-American or Negroes or black. So I had a problem with that because poverty has a face no matter where it is, whether it's found in a drought in Ethiopia, whether it's found in Botswana, whether it's found in the slums outside of Johannesburg, Africa, or the United States. Poverty has, is, and does exist. And people living in public housing, formerly public housing, now privatized housing for the capitalists, and people living on these Stamps that can't afford to feed themselves and developing major health crises is not a relief. And you can't compare one culture with another. You know, he, he didn't have a cultural perspective. And so if I'm a Wolof or if I'm a Fulani, I'm a herder, I'm accustomed to herding. I can be a wealthy herder 
with a fabulous compound, you know, with some solo hookups, living a good life. That's the life I'm accustomed to. Just like if I'm a farmer from Orange, Virginia, I can live on the farm that my family had for 100 years or before the Civil War. So, you know, all of these are cultural paradigms, and Acorn wasn't conscious of any of them. He suggested that people in Africa were living worse than poor people in the United States, and that's not always true. There are people in Africa own their land. People in Africa aren't paying taxes to the man. People in Africa uh, aren't paying Pepco or Verizon, you know. So, and people in Africa had cell phones before anyone in the U.S. except for the rich could have them because the infrastructure wasn't there. So when there was a crisis in Asia in the late 80s, quickly the satellites that the U.S. had put up in space and other countries were utilized for the Internet and for phones. In addition, solar, again, is the big money thing by the IMF and the International Monetary Fund, and it's where the cash is. Because he couldn't tell you the budget of any of his projects. You know, when you're a, a hardcore uh, a socialist or Marxist, you know where your money's going and you know what you're putting it into. So right now he may be serving a good purpose for the people, but he's not a brother of consciousness, but he's trying. And then when he talked about being picked on in elementary school, that's a problem with being an African in America, whether you're high, 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 or low, 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 as the song says in terms of color. This is part of the old Willie Lynch story, but he didn't have to live through it because he said as long as he presented himself as a foreigner, Americans were enchanted with him. And that is true. We have bourgeois nationalism in this country. People love foreigners. And hey, you come up and you're the guy next door, born and raised there, and so were your parents. You may hit some slack. And so that's about it. And uh, thank you. And I think that... Uh, the only other thing I would like to say is that right now, big money is being invested by the EU as they turn their head the other way. Uh, and uh, systemic crime is being committed while they're literally silent in stopping refugees from seeking what they have a right to do, to find refuge and asylum. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Sister. No, Brother Suzuki, we'll come to you. Yes, Sister, real quickly, what you have to say? Vortex is a, a European border agency. 
and it uh, it's also goal is to stop people from entering from both Africa and Asia. And as I said in my earlier comments, just last year alone, nearly 4,000 deaths courted. But think of the thousands that will never be documented, that no one knows of but the family and friends of the people who attempted to come here. And they always divide us so willy my story. Each person getting on each boat thinks they're going to be different or that they're different from the next person. And we need to, Brother Acorn is trying to talk about unity, and that's the only message I got from him, was there's capital to be gained and there's capital to be gained in uh, Africa right now through developing solar. That's the main thing happening. And the best thing we can do is dismantle the oil companies and stop the engineers of global warming and unite as a people. Thank you. Thank you, Sister Eleanor. Next we'll go to Brother Subukwe. Brother Subukwe, is he your friend or foe? Is he a chosen horse? Or I will even go as far as saying, is he a trick baby? What is your critique on Brother Acorn? Uh, he's definitely a foe. And, and my book, uh, Acorn, uh, you know, he said he's a businessman first, meaning he's he's putting everything, he's putting profit over people. He owns a diamond mine in South Africa. Well, if he owned a diamond mine in South Africa, I'm pretty sure he's a, he, he's aware of the many lives of Africans that he talks about, speaks proudly about being, uh, who are dying and losing their lives in these mines, from heat, from the mines collapsing, collapsing on them, trying to make two cents a day, two dollars a day. If he, if he, if he, if he uh, is a mine owner, money, and he's in the Congo. And Goma Congo, as he's saying, talking about uh, war is a choice of the people. If I understand, if I heard him correctly, he said war is a choice by the, made by the people. Now, if anybody of, of, of understanding of, of who administer wars, we know goddamn where people, the masses of people ourselves, is not the ones that's uh, uh, bringing war on countries for their land for land and labor, for exploitation. So when he makes these comments, he's definitely a foe. He's a neocolonialist, man. I mean, you know, he's not, you know, and, and, and this, when you talk like this, these are neocolonialist talking points. Uh, this false sense of, of pan-Africanism, you know, you know, I'm just saying, man, like, come on, social capitalism, we already, previous panelists already put that to bed. That's the, come on, you, you, how, what, is, what is that, a social ca- a capitalist? We know as radical revolutionaries, charity is not revolutionary. Charity is not revolutionary. He thinking that, oh, I'm I'm going to get the I'm going to get the money. Y'all work, <laughs> y'all work. I'm gonna create more. Uh, I'm gonna get the mass. I'm gonna own y'all labor, but I'm gonna reap. The, he's reaping the benefits of the people that's in those mines, and he says some other businesses. So he 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 he's saying that he is the reason for the lights coming and the and the and the, he's the reason why he got 
a million or millions of people with solar lights. No, he no, it's not him. It's the people who are losing their lives and their minds and and these minds, diamond minds on a daily basis. It's being exploited, and that's for any anything. The government is 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 the people uh, that 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 uh, works and 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 labor for these for these luxuries, if, if you want to call you know lights or these these utilities to be utilized. And then that, you know, so when he talks about his war, I'm sorry, when he does a, then he turns around and say he does, he he is doing a concert that's promoting peace for one day for one day. I'm I'm going to do a concert that's going to promote peace for one day, and this is saving lives in one day. You know what I mean? People that didn't get killed in that one day. He wants a pat on the back, and he thinks he's doing something because he has a concert saying peace for one day in Congo. Go tell the people and our brothers and sisters in the Congo who are being raped on a daily basis, who are being raped, wives are being kidnapped, being raped, pregnant women being kidnapped, being raped, being murdered, being killed in front of their children, husband killing, murder, murder um, on a daily basis to fund, to keep, to keep funding and economics allowed for the capitalists. These people are dying. He talking about you want to do a concert for one, a piece for one day. That's a smack in our face as African people. The the the, the, the amount of our brothers and sisters who are who are who are dying. Expl- again, you know, get, the real people, the real people is doing work uh, and re- for the real the real work. You know, friends of the Congo. If he if he was if he wanted to do real work, he would do that. Then he says he's going to rebrand. We need to rebrand Africa. What the same brand that the gate the slave masters gave us to slavery? What brand are we talking about, man? The only rebranding of Africa uh, that, if anything, is that pan is that United Scientific, Scientific Socialist States of Africa that Kwame Nkrumah speaks about. That's what he need to go do. He need to go study. He need to take his 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 resources and, and invest himself into studying. Uh, African freedom fighters in Africa. Uh, Amakar Cabral, Thomas Sankara, Agmatekou Toure, Kwame Toure, Kwame Kuma. He need to go, Patrice Lumumba, he need to go study these uh, freedom fighters so he can understand what's going on. But he he knows, he knows about them. I won't be, I'm not going to be naive. I, I, I You know, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure he knows about them because he, he hesitated to answer uh the question of the journalist, and he was like, "Oh, come on, you know the answer to that." And he claimed like he didn't know the answer to why why, why Africa Africans was not getting the re, uh, resources uh, or, or, or the wealth. Where's all the wealth going? Then he, he contradicted himself, act like he didn't know about it, and then he says, "Well, you know, foreigners, foreigners. Who are these foreigners we talking about? Who are these? Who are the foreigners we talking about, bro? The for the foreigners we talking about." He he says one. He says French. <laughs> he called out the French, but he, he didn't call out America. He didn't call out British. He didn't you know call out these other uh, Israel. He didn't Israel. He didn't call out these other fascists, these other capitalists and um, parasites and blood suckers who are killing Africans and Palestinians and masses of people, working class people all over the over this world, this planet. All over this planet. So when he, when you when we talk about that, any, any artists that we we're going to be holding up, Bob Marley, Peter Tosh, Salakuti, 
These people did not sell their souls. Talking about I'm, going, I'm trying to own a mine or trying to incorporate. Fellow Kuda and his mom was revolutionaries. They killed his mom, threw his mom out of the building. Fellow Kuta, Fellow Kuta is a revolutionary. His mother was a revolutionary. His, mo- his mother was a, was a, uh, uh, worked with with a, uh, Kwame and Kuma. They, they, these are real musicians. Musicians um, that that he needs he needs to follow. But anyhow, I conclude. He said he was locked up, brother. Your brain is you still locked up because you're chasing your tail, talking about you 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 helping you're gonna make all this money to help our people. You ain't doing a damn thing with it. Pan pan Africanism, real pan Africanism, or we're gonna continue to perish. Thank you, brother Subukwe, and to my panelists. We're gonna pause for the cause, and when we come back. This is how y'all find a thought on this program tonight, part two. America was never built for Africans. Um, when I think of this interview by Econ, I would like to say that, um, you know, I think this particular statement that we are about to play right now probably best suit him and his condition in reality. We'll be right back. This is Africa on the Moon. He's a trick baby. Uh, it's you liberals who have lifted them up, Howard. Paul, you conservatives make a mistake. You can't afford to strangle hope in people. Without hope, people become dangerous. No, Howard, you liberals have let them invade our society. You give them jobs, political jobs. Paul, you missed the point. It's only the smart ones we move up. <laughs> that makes it even worse. No, no, we have to move them up. If we leave a smart one in the ghetto, he might develop into a leader against us. But if we raise him up into white society, we neutralize him. He feels compelled to try to act like us. He loses his identity and uh, his racial anger, if he has any. He becomes alien to his brothers. They realize he's sold them out and they grow to hate him. He becomes worthless to them and safe for us. That's no thank you. In fact, in his love for the creature comforts, except for his color, he's become one of us. Uh, it's you liberals who have lifted them up, Howard. Paul, you conservatives make a mistake. You can't afford to strangle hope in people. Without hope, people become dangerous. No, Howard, you liberals have let them invade our society. You give them jobs, political jobs. Paul, you missed the point. It's only the smart ones we move up. <laughs> that makes it even worse. Oh, no, we have to move them up. If we leave a smart one in the ghetto, he might develop into a leader against us. But if we raise him up into white society, we neutralize him. He feels compelled to try to act like us. He loses his identity and uh, his racial anger, if he has any. He becomes alien to his brothers. They realize he's sold them out and they grow to hate him. He becomes worthless to them and safe for us. That's no thank you. In fact, in his love for the creature comforts, except for his color, he's become one of us. He yeah, had just heard the making of a call. Welcome back to Africa on the Moon. I'm your host, Brother Africa. We're in the seat and we're going to take the heat. As you find it, we're going to stand behind it. We're going to speak to the powerful and the powerless. In closing out this program, we ask our political panelists, the analysts, 
to give us their final thoughts for the night. And if you are listening and you'd like to make a statement, you still can hit one, and we will acknowledge you and ask for a number. So, panelists, in closing out this program, part two, America was not with beautiful Africans. We come to you, Brother Moses. Talk to me. Thank you, thank you, Brother Africa. America was not built for Africans. Africans built America, and therefore we claim it. And uh, the struggle is to unite the men and defeat the few, to to have the unpaid labor be paid, and and to have a just portion of the fruits of our labor. This is the struggle, and uh, we we have to stand up for our rights and don't give up the fight. And uh, this is the situation we're faced with, and it's, it continues. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Moses. We know that forced labor and stolen land may not be a good thing you may want to claim. Let's get us some little bit more thought. Next, we go to our brother and us. No, we go to our sister. Let's go to our sister, Sister Eleanor. Your final thoughts for tonight. Yeah, I wanted to say that it was another great show. And, of course, um, I think uh, uh, Maurice said it well that uh, Acorn is not a people man. He's a capitalist. And Brother Robert is so right. Africa wasn't built. uh, America was not built for Africans. But we did build America, and we also claim it. And Malcolm X also said, the problem in America for Africans ain't had, but he didn't call us Africans, he called us blacks. Or he may have not even used that term, it's been so long. And he said, the problem wasn't having a job, the problem was getting paid and pay equity. And one thing interesting about that diamond mine that was said, that's not a, a, a collective they don't have a diamond mine. Acorn doesn't isn't a part of a collective diamond mine in Africa. He's a capitalist that owns a diamond mine, and he's definitely not in, mentioned no unionizing, no organizing, no liberation movement, and uh, that's why we continue to see organizations like the. Uh, forensic, uh, like that, uh, what is it called? For, Frontex, with the, the European Border Agency, continue to try to stop people uh, from coming across the Mediterranean, the Mediterranean Sea. Forgive me, I'm sorry, I don't know what's wrong this evening. And it recently admitted to 417 cases where they um, turn people back, where the, the, their job is to stop ships, turn them back. It was kind of like the U.S. and Haitian, the way we would send Haitians back in the 80s. And we had, and the U.S. had, not we, but the U.S. had just, hundreds of Haitians dying at sea trying to make it here. And uh, so we see 
imperialism and colonialism and neo-colonialism at work in this evening's program. And we've seen a younger uh, face of colonialism. And uh, ACORN didn't talk about Pan-Africanism or uniting the people. He actually was living back in the 1950s when Africans in America didn't visit Africa. And as you said, Brother Africa, so many of us have gone home, live at home, work at home, and uh, make our careers there. So thank you so much for another wonderful show. And thank you, fellow analysts. Brother Haki, Brother Anthony, Brother Moses, you, Brother Africa, and Brother Maurice Sabukwe for another wonderful show. And I finally got it. It's the Mediterranean. They're stopping people from crossing that Mediterranean. They'd rather invest. The IMF is investing in it. And for all you know, ACORN may get involved, a little piece of that. You know, talking about he's helping the people stay at home. You know, it's always a way to dress up your capitalist ventures. Thank you and good night. Thank you, Sabella Noah. I would like to say to one of your statements is that I'd like for you to think a little bit more on the issue of how do you claim something that you don't own. Next, we'll make our transition to Brother Maurice, your final statement for tonight. Brother Subukwe, the mic is yours. Yes, Brother Africa. Thank you so much for having me again on a, another wonderful episode of Africa on the Move. Uh, I want to thank our panelists uh, uh, for being here tonight. It was it was refreshing to hear uh, Brother Anthony back on the mic. I hope he's feeling better. I hope you're doing well, Brother, um, and, and continue to progress in beneficial health. And um, it was refreshing to hear Brother Haki back on the mic as well. Um, at this point, we have to organize more than ever. Uh, we say this every week. Um, if the route we we going, man, we not if we keep going the route we going uh, as 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 in colonialists and neocolonialists um, dominating Africa, dominating Africans here in in in, in the form of domestic colonialism and the hells of America. America, this is not our country. Yes, we might de- develop it, help help develop it, but uh, this is definitely not our home. Our home is Africa, and we have to do what's right for the Native Americans um, here who 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 home and land was stolen uh, by these uh, uh, by these colonialists. Um, but at the end of the day, the, the people don't try to make make a layland. Don't try to feed, drop food uh, in Africa. Africa, they didn't do anything. Africa is still starving. Still, Africans are still dying. Dying. Yeah, a band-aid. My, Malcolm X said it said it best. If you if you stick me with a knife, and I'm, I don't want to, that's my one of that's that great elder Malcolm. But if you put a knife in my back nine inches deep, I'm only take it out about six inches or three inches. What 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 is that? The knife is still in there. Even if you take yeah, you didn't even you didn't even take the knife out yet. And you take the knife out and you just put a band-aid on it, what is what is that gonna do if you don't treat it, if you don't uh give it stitches or clean it out or what have you? 
Um, so I, I tried to do that metaphor, Malcolm's metaphor of justice. I hope I did, but I, yeah, you, you get my point. If you're listening and understanding carefully our struggle, we have to politically educate ourselves and join a organization. United States of America had a saying with Uncle Sam, we want you. No, 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 no. Uncle Kuma, Mama Africa saying, we need you right now to go into a revolutionary pan-African organization. If you're African, the AAP, I'm sorry, the AAPRPGC is waiting for you. PRSP is waiting for you. Friends of the Congo is waiting for you. These organizations are waiting for you, your membership. If you don't can't join these organizations, create a, your own organizations to fight against this, what we got going on this, this, uh, in Africa. To Africa free, nobody else, no other country would not be free until Africa is free at this point. Um, when you have this, when Africa become free under uh, scientific socialism, I guarantee you uh, other countries will expedite their freedom, whether it's in South America, whether it's Africans in Europe, Africans uh, the, the Middle East, uh, Saudi Arabia, uh, Arabia who suffer and catch in hell, um, Palestine, all everybody around the uh, working class people in the world, it will expedite everybody um, freedom. Um, in this sense, I conclude. Have a good night. Thank you, Brother Subukwe. Next, we go to Brother Haki. Your final thoughts on the night, Brother Haki. The mic is yours. Well, you know, first of all, let me just uh, piggyback on something you said earlier about Africa. That is to acknowledge uh, Sister Sada Shakur's birthday. Happy birthday to Sister Sada, the heart and soul of the Black Liberation Army. Uh, much respect and much love for that sister and, uh, you know, and for the government that um, took her in. Now, you know, Brother Africa, one of the things that when we talk about the problems that we're confronted with, you know, a lot of these problems are not, um, they're, they're really not above board. A lot of the problems that we're, we're confronted with uh, happens behind the scenes. For instance, uh, you know, currently the Republican um, politicians are working on a bill to provide $87 billion, $87 billion in tax cuts for the wealthy. Now, that in itself is very, very problematic when you think of the fact that you got a national debt of over between 33 to $38 trillion, which, by the way, the IMF said the U.S. would not be able to repay. So when you got that kind of situation, including the question in terms of revenues become extremely important. So, of course, where do you get the revenues from? Do you get it from poor people and get it from wealthy people? Well, logic would say that the revenues would have to come from the wealthy. In other words, if people who can afford to pay how to pay the most in terms of resolving the deficits the government is facing. But well, the Republican position is that, no, no, that's not the situation. We're not going to tax the, tax the wealthy. We're going to have a regressive tax system in which the less money you make, the more we're going to tax you. That is a description for destruction, and that's clear. That's clear. The thing is that we have to understand is that people in positions of power understand fundamentally that this, 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 this country is, 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 is very difficult straits. And because of the very difficult economic straits, uh, they understand that the only conceivable way for people, the elite, to remain, remain in power is that they must give the masses of people some scapegoat to focus their energies and their hostilities toward. In the context of America, we haven't figured out that when we talk about, when we look at the kind of narratives being put forth by so-called right, right wing, when we look at the narratives they put forth, 
but it continues to attack African people and it continues to spread African people's history. And they continue to belittle African people when they attempt when they continue to justify discrimination with African people. And what they're essentially saying to the mass of the people in American society is that here is the quintessential enemy with the African people. And of course, given the illiteracy rate in society, when the when the media when these when these, when this narrative is put forth consistently twenty four hours a day, seven days a week, when that narrative is put forward, people start believing the narrative because they keep hearing it and they say, Well, it must be some some truth to it. And without some means in terms of really deconstructing that narrative to understand how the narrative is, is BS, you tend to believe that it does have legitimacy. That is, that's, that is a problem in terms of, that is the, that is the quintessential problem that African people face. Because increasingly, as more and more people, that, that right-wing message that African people are, in fact, the enemy of society, the more uh, they come to dismiss how capitalism works and the problem that capitalism creates in terms of being the bona fide problem that humanity is, is, is facing, is, is confronted with. And so, therefore, given that reality, in terms of the depiction of African people as the enemy, we can ill afford to pretend like, you know, we're just going to pretend like everything is okay, I'm going to look the other way, and I'm going to pretend like everything is fine. Unfortunately, and if, given, the, given the flow of history, we look at all those atrocities that, that, that occurred throughout history, we should not deceive ourselves to believe that those atrocities that occurred in Germany, France, Spain, Italy, those atrocities that occurred there could never happen in America. Of course they can happen here, and they are happening here. This is part and parcel of the narrative they're painting because they're creating a scenario which to justify the, the, the slaughter of large number of African people. I know a lot of people say, well, that's, that's, that's a hip-hop, you know, you know, hyperbole. You know, it's just, you're exaggerating. Well, one of the things you, you have to keep in mind, one, you have to ask yourself, is in fact, is the United States unique in terms of economic systems? Uh, when we look at Germany in terms of the rise of the Third Reich, uh, it also, too, uh, had problems economically. Hitler used scapegoated those people, those uh, uh, the Roma, he scapegoated Jews, he scapegoated even African people who was, resided in Germany at the time. He scapegoated them to distract or to get their attention away from the, the, the horrible, the horrible uh, state of the economy. Don't you see? The same thing is happening in America. This is history. We cannot, we can no longer pretend like this is not part of the history, this is not part of the American experience. And as I always say, you know, uh, one of the things that if, if we're going to if we're going to have a future in America, if we're going to protect our children, then we have to have organizations, institutions to protect the vulnerability of our children. Because one thing is very, very clear: people in positions of power understand that the, 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 the most the most expedient way to export a people is to first control the way they think. We can ill afford to allow them to control how we think, and this is this is this is real. This is not how perfectly. This is history. This is the reality. This is reality as we see it. And in saying that, brother Africa, I always encourage people to to unravel the matrix, uh, because one of the things is very very clear. You know, when I talk about this question in terms of being pragmatic, one of the things I, I do understand when you when you when you're caught up between rock and a hard place, you're just trying to survive in society. One of the things you you want to limit is the amount of stresses you're subjected to. And of course, there's a tremendous temptation simply to, to not to deal with those issues that are stressful. And in the context, in that context, uh, that dealing with those issues that are stressful, you actually enhance it. Those those same those same uh, those same structures, those same philosophies that tend to undermine your uh, African's very existence. And so, therefore, in that context, we can no longer afford to be pragmatic. We have to understand the nature to be. It doesn't mean that you have to be out there in terms of in terms of political struggle. But what it does mean 
is that you must educate yourself. You must educate your community. You must foment those community organizations, those structures in the community that's going to allow you to resist, you know, which surely is going to be some very traumatic events you know, that are coming our way. Have a good night, Brother Africa. You have a good night. Yeah, same to you, Brother Haki. And last and not least, Brother Anderson, your final thoughts on part two. America was never built for Africans. Brother Anthony. Yes. Oh, we need to take that lesson to heart. It was never built for Africans. And even though, and uh, even though our, our labor and our uh, blood and sacrifices helped build America, it was never built for us. And therefore, uh, we have to work hard to liberate our homeland, Africa. And we can only do that by joining an organization that is working for our people's liberation. One such organization is the All-African People's Revolutionary Party, GC. Object of this Pan-Africanism the total liberation and unification of Africa under scientific socialism. And you can learn more about the history of our, our party and our organization and our philosophy and objective by visiting our website, www.a-aprp-gc.org. And uh, I thank you for letting me be here tonight. Thank you, Brother Anthony, all our panelists and analysts, our listening audience, our friends and supporters. Um, in closing, I'd like to reflect on a song, I believe named You Gotta Be Strong, where the young lady said, Africans would be better off if we would listen to what our mother said and read the books our father read. Because if we don't, History do you do repeat the same mistake twice again if you don't learn your history. This is the closing of part two. Africa was never built for Africans. We like to remind everyone that you can hear this program every Sunday evening at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, U.S. So every Sunday evening, come and join us and share and spread the word. For the next six six months or so, we're gonna try to increase our listenership to a hundred, over 100,000 people more, and we want you to help us. And you can do that real simply. If you need a link to this program or any other program, please email us at africaonthemove2 at gmail, and we'll send it to you. Also, if you'd like to support our work and support the radio show, we, we take in all contribution donations by zelling us at African Awareness Association 2 at gmail.com. Or you can cash up us at dollar sign, capital L, small e, small e, small c, small r, small o, small b. We're here on Africa on Moon. Come and speak to the powerful and the powerless. We hope to provide you information so you can use it as a tool for liberation. But more importantly, we want to encourage you to a high level activity. And the best way you can make your contribution to our people is to be organized. It's going to make humanity to move forward a lot more quickly, quickly and more efficiently and effective. You need to be in an organization that's fighting for the liberation 
of humanity and your people. So if you're not organized, you're not in organizations, then you are going against the interests and the well-being of your people you manage. We encourage you, please, come and join us, and we'll show you how to do this new dance called Let's Get Organized. Until next time, we will always strive to go forward, Owl, backwards, Owl. We'll leave you with Mom Cable, Africa is where the hot lies, and other lovely story, consciousness music for the next 10 to 15 minutes. We thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next week on Africa on the Moon.
water and chains, living in pain, today is the same, and nothing ever changes. Hung by a noose, can't tell the truth, filled with abuse, and everywhere there's danger. How long can this go on? When will the light I see? I know I must be strong to last through my journey. Yeah, last through my journey. Yeah. Time will arrive when we must decide to get off the ride and stop going through these changes. Must prepare and learn how to care, but soon we'll be there while our lives won't be in danger. And when the light is clear, oh how beautiful I will be to know that I've been here and made it through my journey. Yeah, and made it through. My journey, yeah, 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 yeah. Made it through my journey. Made it through my journey. Pellerino, a bloodline across the waters from Benin to Salvador Bahia. A scar across the face of the earth. Pellerino, the place they brought the Africans, the place where they tried to make them slaves. Pellerino, you can feel the whip, hear the cries, and see the blood in the red clay. The clay that holds the stones together is African. And each stone is a bone from a people called slaves. Pellerino was the place where death came to dwell. His neighbors did not complain, for he was a way out. From the cold, gray, cobblestone streets to the lifeless cathedrals, tall walls of demons called angels, haunted visions of white faces, crucifying Jesus again and again. But in the sacrifice of this blood, of this dance with death, comes life more rich, more pure, more alive, where death spent many lonely nights pacing the floors of his funeral parlor, waiting for someone to die. Pellerino, a French word called the place of torture, became a place of strength, a place where faces of white saints became faces of black gods, where haunted visions and demons became healing visionaries and orishas from the motherland. And Jesus rejoined his kinfolk and was reborn and baptized in the sound of sensual skin turned up to dance, to inspire a fire like the sun pronouncing his presence. Pellerino was the tongue of the flame, licking the eyes of those who have tried to remain blind, shining a light on a spirit that would not be denied. No, the chains did not break the spirit, did not enslave the music of my soul, did not shackle the will of my freedom, did not tarnish the glow of my gold, 
and all the Pelorinos in Africa, in Europe, in North and South America cannot destroy the majesty of my people, the love of my people, shining like the sun everywhere we go, everywhere we go. light is clear, oh how beautiful I will be, to know that I've been here, and made it through my journey, yeah, and made it through my journey, yeah, 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 yeah.
before it get dark. Before they hit you with the pitchfork. Better crib walk, crib walk. This is real talk. Smoke push and push, then we peel off. Niggas still running with the wheels off. Always looking out for the crisscross. I'm a bigger boss than Rick Ross. Always winning, nigga get lost. It's the warlord, bring the voodoo. When I bail through, it's crazy like Bellevue. What they tell you, that leave that boy alone, like home alone. Yeah. Fuck a skull and bone, arrest the president. You got the evidence, that nigga is Russian intelligence. When it rains, it pours. Did you know the new white was orange? Boy, you're showing your horns. They trying to replace my halo with thorns. You so basic with your vape sticks. Let's go ape shit in the matrix. Arrest the president. Arrest the president. Arrest the president. You got the evidence. Arrest the president. Arrest the president. Arrest the president. You got the evidence. I took back my eyes and all black tonight. That's right, some niggas gotta sacrifice. Not a criminal. No, I'm a seminal. Yeah. I was free once. Now I'm clinical. You so technical. This was Mexico. Now everywhere I go is owned by Mexico. Fuck them. Fuck them and the rest of you. Yeah. I turn a room to a backpopper. I'm a roll with the aliens. Man, fuck these homo sapiens. They don't really want to make friends. All they want is a Mercedes Benz. All they want is they dividends and decibels. Fuck these citizens. They'll treat us like hooligans. Throw him in. They don't care what school he in. These people don't play fair. It ain't even fair at the state fair. Give a young nigga gray hair. That's why I'm here. Make your ass lay there. You better stay there. Close your fucking eyes like a daycare. Make myself clearer than Shakespeare. I'm here to take money, even fake hair. So desperate is what I'm left with. For the record, you affected. Who you elected is so septic. So full of shit, I can't accept it. Arrest the president. Arrest the president. Arrest the president. You got the evidence. Arrest the president. Arrest the president. Arrest the president. You got the evidence. Arrest the president. Arrest the president. Arrest the president. You got the evidence. Arrest the president. Arrest the president. Arrest the president. You got the evidence. I reside on the west side. I murder with my third eye. Nigga so fly, get a bird's eye. I make him scream bloody murder. Let's meet at the White House. Run in and turn the lights out. Man, they treat it like a trap house. These motherfuckers never take the trash out. They just cash out and mash out. Nigga, take your drugs and pass out. Niggas love to go that fast route. I see you when your black ass get out. Homie, you play too much. White these devils, they doing way too much. Most of them won't say too much. Why they steady planning? God knows what. That's why I roll with the real ones. Real ones, trying to reach millions. Real ones, trying to make billions. Real ones, dress like civilians. Arrest the president. Arrest the president. Arrest the president, you got the evidence. Arrest the president, arrest the president, arrest the president, you got the evidence.
everything I go through and everything I am. He's my support system. I can't live without him. The best thing since sliced bread is his kiss, his hug, his lips, his touch. And I just want the whole world to know about my black brother. I love you and I'll never try to hurt you. I want you to know that I'm here for you forever true. Cause you're my black brother, strong brother. And there is no one above you. I want you to know that I'm here for you forever true. He's misunderstood. No good around the neighborhood. Well, for your information, a lot of my brothers got education. Now check it, you got your Wall Street brother, blue collar brother. You're down for whatever, chilling on the corner, brother. Talented brother, and to every one of y'all behind bars, you know that Angel loves you. My black brother.
representer I'm on trial with the man, she my co-defendant And I demand her attention, can you focus woman? I'm getting closer to the sky every time I hit it Holly Selassie, power of the trinity Soul made in Niger, my wife made in Italy White man's world that I'm living in some state But it was Africa, the continent we all came from Can't nothing come between me and you So before I have seeds, gotta understand my roots Gotta understand the truth, we is all kings round here Life's not all fair, work till we fall dead All going hard till I earn like a poor bird Although my body's in the U.S., my heart's there I can never be ashamed of her I got my features and my name from her Mama Africa The richest place on earth Know just what you're worth